All right. Podcast is going to start in three, two, one. Howdy there. Welcome to the Sounds Like Mike podcast. Gonna talk about some camera gear. <laughs> Why do you look so distressed? You're supposed to be in this. You're the best. Let's hear some lyrics from you, Brianna. Something about cameras, maybe go. I know nothing about cameras. <laughs> uh, was that bad? Should we do that again? Uh, I kind of like missed it at the start. And I like left the big long pause. Eh. Anyway, uh, we don't have an <laughs> intro song. Um, so that's our intro song for today. And maybe next time it'll be different. Uh, maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got a really good show today. Um, today we're talking about how, how I got all this camera gear. Um, basically, one of the questions that I get most often, just when I'm working with other people on set, I get messages on Instagram. People are like, how the fuck do you have so much camera gear? And that's not uh, a brag, but it is a humble brag. Um, and so basically I'm going to tell you sort of how I accrued all this gear and it's not necessarily as simple as just buying it over time. In my opinion, a lot of people tell you that it takes a lot of time to build up your camera gear collection. So you just got to be patient and stuff. And that's true, but there's a lot of strategy involved that will get you accelerating up that ladder a lot faster. And, uh, yeah, there's, and there's also a lot of ways that you can make money off of that gear and use that to, you know, leverage for opportunities and stuff. So camera gear is, you know, a very complex subject, but I think if you listen to this podcast all the way through, you have a much better idea of how you can leverage it and, you know, stop being so stressed about your camera gear and actually start using it to your advantage in your career, start making money with it. So um, it's going to be real, real fun, interesting. So basically, um, we're going to go down memory lane a little bit on a bunch of projects that I've done. bunch of projects that I've done over the years, basically from the start uh, to now, just kind of talking about my upgrades, talking about why I made those upgrades, when I when I learned what I learned, and sort of how I leveraged all that shit to eventually make a career. And a big part of it is the gear. Like, just being frank, I'm, there's a lot more talented people out there than me that are not doing as well. And uh, there's a reason for that. So stick around. Before we uh, get into that, oh, also, we're going to do, if we have time, depending on how long this takes, we're going to get into the stock photo Pictionary game, which we described it last time. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we'll give you a rundown of that when it happens, if it happens. If it. If, it, if, if this doesn't take too long. So that's going to come at the end. It's going to be a lot of fun. So stick around to exactly. find out. <laughs> um, before we get into that, um, I want to talk a little bit about the Black Lives Matter movement. Obviously, this is something that's, you know, flooded the news lately. I even talked with you a little bit about, like, should I even do an episode? Should I dedicate an entire episode to Black Lives Matter? Is it, like, shitty of me to sort of just cover it at the start a little bit? Um, But I think, first of all, I'm just going to justify why I'm not making a whole episode about it rather than just talking about it. I'm going to make it about myself. Um, Not a lot of people watch this show. I'm still figuring out the format, but I still think it's an important subject to talk about, so that's why I want to bring it up. Um, but I just don't think people want to hear some 20-year-old talk about Black Lives Matter for an hour when he doesn't really have a lot of 20, knowledge about it. 20-ish. 20-ish. I'm 24. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Two 20-ish-year-old white people. Right. Anyway, um, 
I just wanted to say that I haven't posted a lot about it because honestly, I didn't really have a good grasp on the issues. Genuinely, I feel like um, even like when the words Black Lives Matter was coming up back in the day, you know, a few years ago, I was very much like, you know, I, I, I understand and acknowledge that, you know, a lot of black people specifically have been disadvantaged because they come from, you know, this era of being disadvantaged. They were slaves, right? And that carries on throughout society. You know, you start poor, it's going to be a lot harder to get a leg up in society generally. I know that there's a lot more nuances to that, but but in my perspective, I, I, I from my perspective, I was like, I, I started out poor and I ended up fine. And I understand it's hard for everybody else um, and not everyone can overcome those kinds of obstacles. Um, and especially if there's like a large group of people that start up poor, likelihood is that they're going to continue to be poor. There's going to be more crime and all this stuff. But I didn't really realize how much the color of your skin really affected the way that you're treated in society and how wow. much I was actually, I have had a leg up, even though I did start in like from a fairly disadvantaged upbringing, how much I've had a leg up just because I'm a white guy. Um, so yeah, that's it. I just thought I would acknowledge it. And I think that, uh, I support the protesters. I think, uh, y'all should be protesting. I don't necessarily know too much about how, like, how effective it is to defund the police. I think lower funding and I think allocating it to other places is good. I don't necessarily know about abolishing, abolishing police. I'm not saying I disagree with it. I'm literally just saying I don't know. I'm trying, I'm doing my best to get educated on it, but in terms of talking about it on my podcast as if I know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to do that. But there's a lot better resources that you can look up. There's a lot of people who are talking about it right now that are more informed than I am. Um, and again, I'm trying to be more informed. But uh, fight the good fight, y'all. That's all I'm trying to say. Anyway, like I said, uh, we got a really good episode uh, jumping in here, and I'm going to tell you all about how to get a shit ton of camera gear without spending any money and how to leverage that camera gear to make more money and to move ahead in your career. So I'm going to start off by giving some advice. Oh, and by the way, I just want to mention that Brie is a very relevant part of this, in my opinion, because she's been here throughout my entire journey of my filmmaking journey. Like, my entire professional career, she's been there helping me. If I didn't have anybody to, to help me on set, she would come in and just like be a boom boom operator. Even if she had no idea what she was doing, she was she would still jump in there and just be like, yes, I can do that for you. She's always been like a solid, um, just stable person to always be there whenever I need to. And she's done a lot of behind the scenes photos for me. She's done so many things for me on set. Honestly, she probably could not produce a short film <laughs> but she has a lot better set <laughs> etiquette than a lot of beginners I know on set. So she's fantastic and uh, don't dismiss her just because she's not in the industry. Um, she's been, she's been at this as long as I have, if in a smaller capacity. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate the acknowledgement. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I just don't want to <laughs> make it feel like you're just like sitting here listening to me brag about all my camera gear that I bought. And you're just like, yep. <laughs> yep. You got a lot of gear. That's not what this is about. So anyway, when it comes to buying gear, there's a lot of, like I said, it's, it is a slow build, but there's also a lot of strategy to it. And there's a few sort of guidelines that I live by and you'll kind of see that throughout this podcast and uh, how that plays out and how you can leverage yourself and your gear. So basically the main, the main guidelines just for on list form here is to one buy gear preemptively. So before you get the shoot, before you do the shoot that requires the gear, you buy it before that, not after that. You don't shoot get $1,000 and then buy the thing. You buy the thing, 
and then you use it on the shoot. And there's a few ways you can do that without actually spending any money or just making a zero-sum game or actually possibly paying it off and making some money. So that might mean being happy with uh, taking zero dollars for the gig and just using all that money to buy the product if you know you have that option. Or if you know what gear that you need on the shoot, like if you know what gear your client needs or wants if they ask for something specific or you know that this gear is going to require it, you can effectively buy it and rent it to them. And if it's a long enough shoot, you can often pay it off by the time the shoot's over. Or again, like I said, come to a zero-sum game. And then uh, another thing is buying gear that you know other people want to rent. So that means when you're getting on sets with other people, when you're, you know, even if you're just PAing, you don't even have to be making any money at this point. You can see what gear needs they have, what they're lacking. You know, the DP might say like, oh man, I wish we had this, you know? And you're like, oh, you know, why didn't you get that? And they'll usually just be like, oh, it wasn't in the budget. You can look into that. You can find out if there's a cheaper option available that they would be willing to rent, or you can find out if it would be cheap enough to just buy and rent, even if it's like the expensive thing. I've done that a few times, which you'll see in the future. Um, another way to do it is to buy gear that you never have to upgrade. Often gear that's going to last you your entire career is very, very worth it and ultimately leads to you gaining money, especially if you're renting it to productions that you're on. So if you own a piece of gear that you know you're never going to have to upgrade, which there are quite a few of gears, like, like a C-stand. You can rent a C-stand out a million times over and it's likely never going to break. The only way it's going to break is if, and when I say rent it out, I mean with you on the set. It's not like you have to uh, find people who are willing to, to, you know, just rent your gear or whatever. You don't have to become a rental house. You can rent it to your friends. Um, you can rent it to local film connections. A lot of people don't want to own that kind of stuff. But if you do, you can make a lot of money off of it. C-Stand's what? 100 bucks? Super, super easy to pay off. So that's one thing that you can do. You rent it with um, the, to the production. When you're on set, you can rent it to other people. Um, on their own sets. And then finally, I think one of the most important things is to buy expensive things or buy cheap things and do not buy the in-between thing, in my opinion. So that means buy the thing that's going to last you your entire career or buy the cheap thing that is essentially disposable until you can buy that expensive thing. Because if you end up buying the middle of the road thing, like let's say... Like recently, I was I was looking at gimbals. We keep talking about gimbals. The reason why I always talk about gimbals is cuz I don't own a gimbal. I've thought about buying a gimbal a million times over, but a it's lot. a lot, but it's never and I've come very close, but it's never lined up with the right shoot. I've never had never been able to like justify paying it off. The only way I'm going to buy something like that that's really expensive is if I know that it's going to I'm going to use it all the time and it's going to pay itself off. Gimbals are so widely available now, it's never going to pay itself off. In my opinion, a gimbal is a great investment if you want to shoot music videos forever. You know, low-budget music videos forever, which is fine. But if you're shooting high-budget music videos, eventually you're going to start renting stuff. You're going to be renting cameras that are too big for your gimbal. Not saying gimbals are always a bad thing, but I just haven't been able to justify it in the type of work that I do. Um, if I were to buy a gimbal right now, um, something that was support that has like the weight limit for my camera. Um, I would have to spend a fair amount of money. Like I'd have to spend like, it's not like, like 1200 bucks, let's say 12, 12, 12 to 1300 bucks. If I wanted it, like just, just the gimbal. 
something that's going to go with my camera that I could feasibly use on other sets. The likelihood of me paying that gimbal off is so, so low because I just know the types of commercials, sorry, the types of shoots that I get, which is mostly, uh, at least the ones that pay well, are mostly commercial and corporate. Um, and then this, the, the, they're not going to pay. I don't need the gimbal for those. I know that I don't need the gimbal for those. Um, and then when it comes to productions that I work on as a camera assistant, which is like another one of my bread and butters, um, they are shooting on things that are way beyond any kind of gimbal that I would afford on my own. Like I'd have to own like a Ronin 2, which is how much? Like $50,000 maybe? $30,000? $20,000? It's like, it's in really the, it's very, very expensive. So buying a gimbal for, in my world, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. I would have to buy a really, really cheap gimbal that the cost would not affect me at all. Whereas I could buy it and not have to think about paying it off and it would just be a personal use gimbal or I'd have to buy the really, really expensive gimbal that I know people are going to rent. Because if I buy a middle in the road one, um, it's going to be a lot of money for me personally. I'm not going to use it very often, just knowing my own workflow. And it's not going to rent? And it's not going to rent because people are either going to rent the really, really high one or they're going to own their own cheap one. So that is something really to consider when you're buying gear is like, Buy expensive, buy something that's as future-proof as possible. It's always best to buy up. I know it's easy to say, buy expensive things and you'll you'll be successful. But really, like, it really is the difference between, like, saving up for, like, a few months or even half a year versus buying it right now. You're better off renting right now unless you know you're going to use a lot. That's another thing when it comes to renting. I'm kind of going off track here. But if you, uh, I mean, we'll get into this a little bit. I'll use my Dana Dolly as an example. Actually, you know what? No, we'll get to that in a bit. I'm rambling a little bit. Um, I got a bunch of interesting visuals. I'm going to show you some of the old shoots that I've been on. I'm going to show you a bunch of the, uh, all, like all my old kits and everything. So let's just take a trip down memory lane. I'm, I've done with the intro. That's Those are the main principles of it um, in terms of like learning how to leverage your gear. It sounds a bit complex, um, but it'll hopefully make sense by the end of this podcast. And it's also completely dependent on the way that you shoot and the kind of stuff that you shoot now and the kind of stuff that you want to shoot. So, um, so we're going to go over a brief history of camera setups and upgrades and my mo and at the end, we're also going to talk about my most profitable purchases. Um, the best camera gear that I've ever owned. This is the stuff that I, that I, that I bought that's still making me money or that has skyrocketed my career in, in some way. I'm not saying that I'm like up, up there skyrocketed, but you know what I'm saying? So anyway, first bolstered, bolstered exactly. <laughs> so back in the days of 2014, 2015, this is where I'm 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 starting my gear journey. I'm gonna call it. Oh, I forgot about the soundboard again. Oh, let's go flat back all the way back to 2014, 2015, the early mm. days of Michael Manis. Way long before I was able to grow a mustache. <laughs> um, it was some of the first freelance projects I've ever done. I, uh, I, at this point I'd already been sort of working on sets. I kind of understood like set etiquette. Um, I wasn't making any money in film at this point, but I did You'd gone to TVI. Yeah. I went to like a film camp thing <laughs> for a little bit, a couple of years before that. Um, so yeah. And this is when I first started making money and when my career officially started. So this is when I basically, I was full-time film. So you're going to see what I started out with and how, and that I was making full-time money with this garbage kit. And it's going to blow your mind. Maybe. <laughs> um, by the today's standards, it's absolutely garbage. So I got a bunch of Facebook ones here. So this is, this is my first lighting kit. 
this is the lighting kit. This is what I used on on all all my stuff. I got two Lowell Omnis, which these are these are hot lights. Um, so they get you know self-explanatory. They get very very hot. I got and they're also orange, and they have horrible horrible light rendition. So they make your subjects if you're shining on a person, they look like shit. Okay. Um, but this should paint a picture of how little the specific gear really matters. It just matters that you're covering your bases at the start, in my opinion. And this is a good example of buying low because this stuff to buy it brand new, I bought this used, I bought it for 200 bucks and I kind of lay it out here that it would cost $700 to buy new. And I was working at a coffee shop at the time, so I didn't really like have money. Big budget. Right, exactly. So in my opinion, this was like one of the best purchases I ever made was this lighting because I knew it was industry standard. Um, like they're, they, at the time they were pro lights. I mean, they still technically are pro lights, but especially for my, uh, for, you know, the day I had diffusion, they came with these umbrellas, dichroic filters, which I never use. These basically convert your, um, tungsten light into daylight balanced light. Um, and then the guy also threw in this like really shitty, um, slider that he made. He, this guy made this slider, like just out of like stuff he found at Home Depot, as far as I know. Um, so that was my first kit. Um, that I also was shooting, I was shooting on a, a Canon Rebel T3i. Uh, my lens kit consisted of, uh, not the kit lens because I broke the kit lens. So for a lot of the first projects I have, I didn't even have the kit lens. I had, um, three vintage primes and they were Pentax. And at the time they were a lot cheaper to buy because people didn't really know about, you know, reusing your old lenses on new cameras. Find them at the thrift store. I found them at the thrift store for $5 each. I got a 50, a, th a 28, and uh, I had a, a zoom. I think my brother let me borrow the zoom. But that was the, and they, they like, the colors didn't match at all. <laughs> like, the, they, like, one was really green, and one was, like, a little sharper and, and like, less hazy than the green one, you know? And, and then the, and then the telephoto was, like, fine in most cases, but if it had a little bit of light shining on it, it just, like, just, like, the, it became super hazy and super green. And they were, like, they looked, it looked like garbage. But, but I had a lens kit, you know, and I had primes and they, they were fast, you know, and it taught me to, it pushed me to learn how to uh, pull focus. Anyway, um, yeah, there was no autofocus and shit. And it was a T3i. So T3i, they, autofocus was not an option. Um, I had a Manfrotto tripod uh, that I invested in uh, a little while ago, um, which again, I'm going to cover, I'm just going to cover this as it comes up. The Manfrotto tripod, it's going to be in my list later, but that's definitely one of the best purchases I've ever made because I bought it uh, I think probably in 2013 and uh, I bought it in like 2013 and I've I'm still using it on shoots it was a high quality tripod it was far way more expensive than what I could afford at the time like just way more expensive but the comparable tripods and cheaper tripods would have I would have had to rebuy it again and I would have ended up spending like double what I spent I spent 200 bucks on it I think it was like 125 bucks on the head and you know for someone who had no job at the time I think I worked uh my dad had a restaurant I worked like a whole summer just to afford this tripod um and uh or he had a catering, catering business sorry I worked a bunch a whole summer just to afford this tripod but that has been one of my best investments I'm still using it right now it's on this camera the one that you see Brie on right now um so fantastic investment. So I got the low lights. I had a road video mic. I had a painter's pole as a as a a boom pole. I remember the the tripod that you had before the Manfrotto. Yeah, it was like so janky. It I had have a like photo a of it. I think I have a photo of it in here. Let me let me find it. 
Um, Didn't it have like some weird handle, like some hook from something else? Yes. Let me show you <laughs> right now. Uh, let's see. I think this is it. Yes, this is it. You can see. You can see my old tripod. This is a tripod I had before oh, it. Yeah, see there it is. The Look little hook that's like I lost from... the, th the threading for it. <laughs> so I put this like hook in it. So I could tighten <laughs> so I could tighten the tripod down. It happened to be the exact same thread size and so I was so janky. Super fucking janky. Like what was I doing? I, luckily I wasn't doing anything oh, professional. Oh yeah, and there there's the comparison. Yeah, and there's the new new tripod. Um this yeah, it was in twenty thirteen. I was right. Um yeah, this was my old one. <laughs> Uh, and nice it, label. Yeah, I can't remember where that label came <laughs> from, but anyway, so clearly, I think you get the picture that that buying things that that will last you forever is far far more important than just having a thing. In a lot of cases, um, like that that tripod that I started with was great to start with. It got me shooting my first things, but it eventually broke. And if I were to just rebuy that again, you know, it would break down again. And ultimately, if you're making your first purchase, if you sort of know what you need, it doesn't have to be a tripod. Like, let's say it's a light stand or something. Buy the really, really cheap one first. Buy the $5 light stand first. I'm still using my $5 light stands because they they just work. They're simple. You put light lights on them and, and, and they're fine. But if it breaks, no sweat off your back. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you get something that's sort of mid-range, you know, it's not going to be as durable as the big one. Eventually, you're just going to have to upgrade. You're going to end up spending double the money not worth it in my opinion. So that's a great example of that is the, the tripod. So let's see. Can Rebel T3i, Pinterest Pole, cheap Amazon light stands. Oh yeah, so $5 light stands. And everything was, everything I, I carried everything in milk crates at this point. Right. So that's sort of setting the stage for, for where I started. And this was like, I think here's a shot. Here's a shot of, of all of it set up. This was a free shoot I did for a guy named Bobby Isat. There he is there. He was, uh, there's the tripod, there's the T3i, and that was one of the vintage lenses on there. And my, my mic here mm -hmm. on a stand is one of those shitty lights. I think altogether the kit was probably under $1,000, like with everything, with everything combined. And that was accrued over, you know, a couple of years of like just being a kid and like, you know, getting money through, I mean, not even birthdays, like working for my dad for that uh, thing mm -hmm. and then eventually getting a job at a coffee shop and then. I finally had enough money to start jumping a career. So that's how I started my career was literally like doing shit like that. And then I had that, you know, make connections here, doing a free shoot for this guy. Um, and then this was the first time that I, this was like the first big shoot that I did in my, in my opinion. This was like the first like crude shoot that I actually hired crew for, which is funny because Brie was on it. <laughs> of course, like I said, Brie was on like all these shoots. And it was also the first time I had ever rented anything. So this is when I realized that a lot of times when it comes to buying gear, um, especially if you're using it, if you know that you're not going to be using it a lot, it's worth it to rent. A lot of people don't really understand the importance of rendering. Renting, I find people are always just like, it's always, like I said, it's like you do the shoot, you buy the thing. You do the shoot, you buy the thing. And in my opinion, that's a fast way to losing a fuck ton of money. Mm -hmm. um, that's like the worst thing you can do because you're always just going to be chasing the next piece of gear and you're always going to have zero dollars. Um, so here, um, I realized I could rent, I could get them to rent shit. I wanted a big production and all I did was I just told them, I was like, Hey, this is what I need to do this shoot. Here's my price. And I think that at the time the price was like $300, which was huge to me. I was like, Holy fuck, $300. But I was, that was my price. I was like, I need $300 and then I need these things to rent. 
and I was stupid and I didn't include that on my invoice. I like they literally like contacted the rental company for me and like put their credit card down because I didn't have a right, credit card. Didn't have a credit card. <laughs> these, by the way, these is like my. I just need to acknowledge these guys. These are like my favorite client ever. Um, yeah. they're still my, they're still my client. I still make amazing stuff with them. Bree's still there every time we shoot, and uh, no, the they're awesome. No, they're the best <laughs> client ever. And they put up with my shit. Uh, uh, <laughs> the first thing. So, I rented this lens. Um, they put it on their credit card, which is crazy. But that's the thing is you just tell them, you just tell them how much it's going to cost. And then you decide where that money's going to go. You know, you can say, I could have said that this one cost $1,200. They probably wouldn't have hired me. Let's say they did hire me. Because they said, oh, it cost $1,200. And I could have just bought a new camera. They don't have to know that I don't already know own that camera. Mm-hmm. They just have to know that it cost $1,200. You know, or I could have bought this. I could have bought a... Uh, I could just bought like a microphone or something like that. And it could have cost me like $200. And then the, the rest of it, could, the $1,000 could have been profit. You know what I mean? You can do that. That's a way to strategically buy gear is you can put those, the cost of the new gear into the job. If it's big enough, you can put in a lot of like big gear into it. Um, if it's long enough, you can just buy gear, not make it a part of it, and just rent it to the production. You just say, okay, you know, you just say this is how much it's going to cost. Here's the gear rental fee, and you just include your new piece of gear in it. You know, you're like, okay, I want to rent this gear for $25 a day. We're shooting for this many days, whatever. It's going to take me this many days to pay it off. Come up with a rental fee. Do it. You pay off the the, the gear. Boom. Boom. <laughs> and when I say it, it sounds a little slimy. <laughs> I that's the way the fucking that's the way the fucking industry works. You can charge whatever you want. They don't have to say yes as long as you're delivering a satisfying product and as long as you're following through. That's the main thing, in my opinion. Charge whatever you want. Do whatever you want with the money as long as you're following through and you're giving them a product that that's satisfied and you're not pulling the wool over their eyes. Like you have to be able to justify the cost as well. It's not like you can go out and buy a car with your price. I feel like I, I maybe slid down that path a little bit, but they're going to ask, they, there's huge potential for them to ask what, where the rental money's going, Yeah, you know? And it's important for you to be honest. You just say, oh, okay, I'm renting you this piece of equipment um, because, you know, it costs you money to bring out that piece of equipment. I rent my camera to productions all the time because it's a very, it's, well, it's a fairly expensive camera. And, you know, use, e- use equals wear and tear. It equals hours, devalues the product overall, and it pays off the product. They're not just hiring you. You're hiring all your gear. Like I have a personal day rate that doesn't include my gear. Mm-hmm. So when you're buying gear and when you get a new job, it's worth considering when you're buying the gear, you're like, how can this gear advantage me in jobs that are coming up? And when you get a job, it's how can this job uh, lean towards some gear purchase of some kind? How can I justify some sort of gear purchase? I bought uh I bought filters once. I bought filters. Actually, it was, it was with uh, Shay. We uh, we bought filters as part of the shoot. We said, you know, we need these filters. We did. We were shooting outside. We were like, fuck, what are we going to do? With the, we need, you know, we need ND filters for the shoot. Otherwise, it's going to look like shit. We don't have any ND filters. So we, we were just like, okay, this is, you know, we charged as the client. We say, this is what it's going to take for us to shoot it. And then we used it to buy ND filters. So anyway, this is the first time. This is the first time I rented anything. Rented that light. Rented. Mm-hmm. They rented this dolly. Um, I had owned. Oh, I also owned some sandbags. It looks like. But this this boom pole right here on the ground. That's a painter's pole, which is very exciting. <laughs> that's just a, a modified painter's pole. I got like a bag. I think it was my audio bag. Like there was just audio gear. Oh, yeah. It's just like a Vans like drawstring. Backpack yeah, like one you'd wear on your backpack <laughs> or back or whatever. I yeah. still have that bag, but uh, 
it's funny because yeah that was my audio bag and then this case i got at the thrift store also like super lucky it had foam in it and everything mm-hmm. and then look milk crates like i stored all my shit in milk crates um there's zach this guy was helping us on the shoot um he's a good guy old friend um oh and by the way that 300 dollars, i didn't finish that little part of the story when they paid me that 300 dollars, not only was it uh incredibly exciting but it mostly went to paying a ticket i was borrowing my mom's van and i got a ticket on the van during the shoot because i didn't pay for parking like some idiot because i've never i didn't understand the city (laughs) got a uh i got a ticket on the on the van and then i had to pay you and i also paid him and so after that i had zero (laughs) dollars like i was i was completely like zero sum game for that one but it also opened huge doors with this client huge yeah um, like we've made so many cool things. They're one of my they're one of my favorite clients. They're super he specifically Dominic Ventura, um, the guy who runs the the law firm. He's very creative. He's very fun to work with. Yeah, one of the parts. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I, I do uh, I do owe a huge part of my career to those guys. But mm-hmm. it was all really because I, I I was starting to understand how I could leverage my gear. Realistically, it was about the gear. In my opinion, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do this with just my own gear. And I personally, even if it was nowadays, I would still rent that dolly over a gimbal because that's what the shot required. Um, it wouldn't have made sense to purchase anything on this shoot. I wouldn't have got the gig. Yeah. So that's a you know, that's the beginnings. The first, the the the, the early little little history. Here's a project that I shot with the gear, just so you can sort of see that it doesn't all come from nothing. Uh, this is like a very old music video that I did. I think it's the first music video I ever did. We don't, we're not going to watch the whole thing. As you can see, the lighting is very... It's, it's terrible. I don't know if we can play this music, so I'm just going to mute it. This was in the coffee shop that I actually used to work at. And she let me come in. Yeah, the owner. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jesse. Yeah. She let me come in. Uh, she let me come in on the off times. Should we be saying everyone's first name? Uh, uh, pa- Pamela. Let us into the uh, the yeah, coffee like, shop. Jesse is a pretty generic. Name. You're right. It's made <laughs> up. It's not a real name. <laughs> anyway, so look at this shot. This was done with those two LOL lights. Um, really insanely cheap lighting setup. Like ridiculously insanely cheap. And, and actually, before I filmed this podcast, I was looking at what could I get nowadays for two hundred dollars on Amazon. It was insane. Yeah, like. If you're starting out, just cover your bases. You don't need to go to to go crazy. Don't worry about the best and the, uh, the yeah, best. Yeah, you don't need to get like a 300. Yeah, but don't get middle of the line. Understand what middle of the line is. Like if you're going for audio, for example, the Roadlink labs are fucking terrible. They're huge. They're super unreliable. Um, just because they have Rode attached to them, they're they're horrible in my opinion. I I love Rode, but it's a it's a shit product. Um, you're better off just having a wired lav. You know, wired lav costs nothing on Amazon. You can get wired lav for ten bucks. Plug it, get a long extension for it, and plug it right into your camera. Little janky, but you do one gig, and you can afford Sennheiser G3s. Mm-hmm. Sennheiser G3, still affordable, but incredibly reliable. It'll last your whole career. I got, I have Sennheiser G3s. I bought them a few years ago. I know plenty of professional sound guys that still use them, but I mean, it could be something else. But you get the idea. Buying middle of the road, in my opinion, you just run into problems with those roads. You'd be like, fuck, I have to replace these now. You know, waste of money. The more money you save um, on each shoot, the more money you're making, obviously. But let's see what you can get for $200. I'm just looking at the word $200. Um, <laughs> $200. Uh, let's just look this. up video lights. Video lights on Amazon. 
I wonder if there's any sketchy shit in my recommendations. Let's see. No, it's just it's just camera gear. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Sometimes Amazon recommends crazy stuff. Okay. Anyway, um, let's oh, see. There's lower. There's like yeah, soft Where? boxes. Oh shit. yeah, these ones. Seventy five dollars. Look, it's got four inputs. You can get ones that come with bulbs. Let's do video lights. Uh, video light. Video light kit. Uh, $60. This one's $131 for these two freaking lights. $131. That's insane. It comes with a case. It comes with, it's, it's ready to go out of the fucking box. Listen, it's not as convenient to set up as the expensive lights, but it's also dirt fucking cheap. And you might look at that and say, oh, $131. I don't have $131. Listen, man, client contacts you. Hey, I need this video shoot. I'll give you $1,200 for it. Guess what? Now you have $200. You fucking borrow that $200 from somebody or something. When you confirm the shoot and you know that you can get this gear in time, that's very important. Confirm the shoot as fast as you can. Um, you don't need a contract. Your email is your contract. I've talked about that in another episode. Buy the fucking lights. $131 out of that $1,200. Nothing. Or just do a shoot for really cheap. Approach somebody. Um, post an ad on Kijiji or Craigslist. I know that that's how I got my first gigs. It was all through Craigslist or Kijiji, it's the Canadian version of Craigslist. Um, a little less sketchy, so I don't know. But $131, you can easily, easily leverage yourself to have these. You don't have to tell them that you need these lights. Just say, this is what it's going to cost. Buy the fucking lights and go shoot it. Like, anyway, yeah. Don't shoot, buy, shoot, buy, because otherwise you're never going to have enough gear. You're never going to have the gear to do what you want. You just... You're just going to you, be broke. You're just... Yeah, yeah I mean... Not even broke. You're just not going to get do very many interesting things. Like, let's say I had a Canon Rebel T3i. Just the T3i. I don't have any lights. And the only way that I can get money is, um, well, one, my job at the coffee shop and through video shoots. Coffee shop job, minimum wage. I could easily buy $200. Let's say I'm working part-time, okay? So I have, like, a little bit of money. I have, Let's say I have exactly $200 <laughs> and rent is due... Uh, I don't know, just after the shoot. That makes it a little convenient. I'm coming up with horrible analogies. <laughs> you get money the other, a, a, any other way. Basically, someone comes up to you, wants you to do a shoot, and I, all you have is a T3i, but you know you can look at the shoot, <clears throat> and you know what you need. You're like, oh, I'm going to need like at least three other crew members. I'm going to need a tripod. I'm going to need some lights. Just give them your fee. Just say, this is how much it's going to cost, $1,200. Even if you only have a T3i, they don't, they're, they're trusting you to, to fill their product and if you're confident that you can fulfill their product say yes and just buy the shit or borrow it you know um, if you have friends that do video and stuff chances are you do because it's so just common now you someone's gonna have a light so anyway that's that uh, you know that that illustrates my point and like look you can see these lights 200 bucks and they were the sh way shittier than lights you can get today like so much shittier and to me I would like that's still a nice shot I would include some of these frames on my reel. The only reason why I don't is because I, I just want to include nude st new stuff. But like <laughs> nude stuff, nude stuff. <laughs> but like that's a whole other demo that's, reel. <laughs> <laughs> that's coming out later. <laughs> but like this performance stuff looks good in my opinion. This stuff doesn't look that good. I didn't really know how to like deal with light at the time. Excuse me. But uh, you know, clearly, you know, I leveraged my way into this effectively. You know, and you can too. So, 
let's move on past the 2014, 2015, the early days, so I've called it. And now, is this a flashback or is this a title sound? The formative years, so I've titled it, 2015, 2016. So at this point, um, I've moved out of my house. Um, I'm not making money off a of film yet, but I have done, you know, I did that freelance gig. I ended up moving to Calgary. Um, and then I did get a job at corporate video production company called Kicker, um, which was super, super lucky. Um, I had put, a de- put together a demo reel of just a bunch of random crap, not relevant to this episode. Um, working at, and then another thing is working at this job helped me not have to buy gear. That's another thing is if you can put yourself in situations where you either know people that have gear, which the way you do that is just get be just PA on sets. And if you're not borrowing anything too expensive, people will often let you borrow it. Just borrow a light or something like, hey, can I borrow that light? People are very willing to to help out people who are starting out in the industry. Don't ask me to borrow anything. I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I already know you, I'm not giving you anything. You got to work on my set. If you work on my set, then maybe. <clears throat> you have to build the rapport. You got to build the rapport. That's the you thing. You can't just be like, hey, let me borrow that expensive thing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so I was working at this production company and they had like some lights and they were about the same quality as those Amazon lights. They took forever to set up. They were soft boxes. They weren't like super bright. But if you're shooting inside, they were like plenty bright. You could get a good interview out of them or like just like something basic. Um, and that's sort of when I started to pick up some momentum with my career because I was able to borrow those lights and I was getting a little bit of opportunities through that job just in meeting other like filmmakers and understanding how like corporate video worked and how to produce something and how to organize a crew um so at this point I now that I was like getting a little bit of money I had sort of like a regular job in film I ended up upgrading to an a7s which was I've talked about this as well um the upgrade to the a7s that's a really good example of where I just did not leverage gear well at all because I had the opportunity to a big part about um leveraging your gear purchases is understanding how that gear will fit into other people's workflow because a big part of making money off your gear and continuing to use that gear in the future is letting other people rent it or shooting stuff like even if you're shooting it with your own like you're just shooting with it um it's it's good to know that it fits into other people's workflow because then they'll hire you you know they'll hire you for b cam or whatever or they'll just hire you to shoot something knowing that your stuff will look similar to theirs or they'll send you out to get b-roll you never know you never know it's just a safe bet to sort of fit into the workflow of the pro- professionals in your local industry just sort of where you're working at the time like literally just like in your city or your town or whatever that's really really important or where you want to work the a7s although it was a really good camera did not fit into any of the workflow at all it was a brand new camera at the time nobody was using it um and i bought it used which is fine but uh, i had the opportunity to buy uh c what is it c100 for the exact same price and the c100 was a professional film camera internal xlrs internal nds um like it was just way way better workflow standard it was the standard and I should have fucking bought it. And I would, I just, I wasn't, I didn't know enough about the film industry. I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't talk to enough professionals at that point to know how stupid a decision that was. If I had bought the C100, like I say all the time, I definitely would have been way ahead in my career. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's good to have regrets um, because you can learn from them. You know, you learn from those mistakes. And hopefully you guys are learning from my mistakes. Um, I upgraded to a Tamron 24 to 70. Um, I ended up buying this because. I mean, that was definitely a workflow decision. I wanted to be faster. Tamron 24-70, 2.8. Um, I was working on like, you know, I was using these vintage primes up until this point. 
Like I, I, I was making, I may, I got my way into an actual career in film just on a T3i vintage primes and a $200 light kit that was used in garbage. Um, so <clears throat> this isn't really that supposed to be about my story or anything. <laughs> it's just ending up being, so I got a 24 to 70 fit more into the, the workflow that I was like seeing around corporate video and stuff. I could understand that like getting a zoom like that was far, far more important than getting like primes or anything. I see a lot of people buying primes these days that have nobody no other kit just get get a zoom it works for everything it's great so i got a zoom um i was using uh, kickers lights i ended up buying uh, an audio recorder just kind of up my workflow i bought a cheap wireless lav see this is the thing is like i at the time there wasn't an option for a cheaper wireless lav so i bought the cheapest lav that i could buy which is like again it's almost disposable. You're using it until you can afford something better. So I bought a cheap wireless lav. I ended up buying a real boom pole, which was a relatively good purchase. I mean, it doesn't really rent, but it's one of those things that kind of wins you favor on set. Like people are like, especially on indies, a lot of times people are kind of like, okay, what gear do we all have? You know, mm -hmm. and so you send them your gear list, which you should have gear list if you're doing professional stuff. Because it shows, you know, you can show people what you got so they can rent it or so they can hire you on their stuff. So I send them my gear list. You know, you got a boom pole. A sound guy uses the boom pole for the whole, whole show. You get a $2 a day rental, you know? That's a huge, that's, that's like an extra $100 that you need to have to work for, you know, depending on the shoot. It's a long shoot. Ever was, <laughs> ever was pretty long. It was a whole summer. I don't know if I ended up renting it to them, though. I think I just let them borrow it. But I did end up, even then, even if they're not borrowing it, it's a piece of gear that I didn't really care about, but they really cared about it. So it won me favor with them. They they liked it. And it was a constant joke on set that it was like my boom pole because it had my name on it. But it just builds rapport. It's, good, it's a good thing to have and it's a good way to move yourself in, in your career is to buy inexpensive things that will benefit you socially on set too. That's mm -hmm. one thing that I did not write on this list. RoboCup <laughs> is the <laughs> best piece of gear you can get. That's not completely true. But Robo... I'm just... I'm talking to camera. <laughs> the, the RoboCup... Uh, now I'm pointing I, at the RoboCup sticker. Oh, there is a RoboCup sticker <laughs> on here. I'm going to grab the RoboCup, but you, but you say things. Um, I'm saying things so that there's no dead air. Um, RoboCup is great. Yay. Okay. <laughs> I'm back. There we go. I gotta use the sound, soundboard right, more. I forgot about that, too. Okay. The, Robo, or the RoboCup, you're going to think this is a joke. And I and you if you follow me on Instagram you've seen the RoboCup on my in my uh, on, on my story I made like a little a couple funny videos about it um, I also like bought like a hundred of them as part of like a group buy <laughs> it was um, but the RoboCup is literally it's just a cup holder that attaches to a pole of some kind it's got these clamps if you can see it it's just a it's it's got two cup holders and you attach it to a clamp one. This is super functional for you personally if you do AC work or even if you're like grip, if you're just helping out on set at all and it, they're very industry standard. People on the sets have them all the time. But also, if you get multiples of these or you just have one that you're willing to, to, to give to somebody else, it's a great way to win favor and make yourself look kind of bougie mm -hmm. in a way. Like it sounds so stupid, but if ever, whenever I'm working on other sets, I always bring, I have three RoboCops, I think. <laughs> Three RoboCups with these like extensions. I always bring them on set, yeah. not because I not only because I personally enjoy them and it keeps the camera car clean, but like if you're working with a director that you've never worked with, and you know if you're in camera department, and it's a small set, often you know a, a camera assistant's responsible for the director's monitor. 
slap this boy on their on their stand for their monitor and they're instantly impressed. They're just like, whoa, Ooh. that's sick. Who's is that? And you you know, you put your put a label with your name on it or something or your website so that you know, so it doesn't get lost. Label your gear, people steal shit on set. But so uh, fancy. Yeah, exactly. They're they're impressed. It sounds stupid, but buying little things, you know, Robocup's not the most amazing piece of gear ever. Sorry, Robocop. I love you. It is sorry, it is the most it amazing is. piece of it gear. It definitely ever. is the most. But um <laughs> buying things that will socially push you forward on set is super valuable, especially if they're cheap. You know, it, mm-hmm. like Robocop. Robocop's like it's like 30 bucks, I think. Um but if you're happy to spend 30 bucks, you know, on 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 something like that, it's it's super durable, it'll last you forever and it just it ups your social so, social ability on set. And it lets people know that, you know, you're that you're pro and that you care about the production and that you care about you're a team player. Exactly. People people like it and it makes you them feel like you value them Mm -hmm. too. So buying little things that, you know, bolster your social status on set in 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 ways is uh is really important. So boom pole. Had the boom pole. Let that production use it. Anyway, so we're still in, we're still in 2015, 2016. I had uh, I, I bought a real boom pole. Um, I bought like a bunch of little uh, rigging for my camera. I bought some rails and stuff because you know, in anticipation for those types of shoots where I would need a follow focus, where I need a shoulder rig, stuff like that. Didn't buy it preemptively, um, but I also did buy or I sorry I did buy it preemptively, knowing that I was shooting things at the time that required shoulder rig. Um, and same thing, I leveraged it to the production. And then I had a 2008, a 2008 Mac Pro. It was like, at the time, it was old. It was like 2015, 2016. This, this thing was from 2008. And I was like editing all my shit on it. But I knew that I just need the bare minimum of editing to get me to the next level. Um, the, another reason why I keep hammering in that point is a lot of people won't, they refuse to buy things until they can get the best version too which I think is a mistake because you're just holding yourself back from more work. You mm-hmm. never want a client to come to you and say, can you do this? And then your response is no. Like that is yeah. the fucking worst. So at least having, you know, this 2008 Mac Pro, which at the time was very inexpensive and is still very, like still functional today. I have two and they've broken through outside <laughs> circumstances. They broke. Though this lap that I'm using right now is uh, 2012. I don't use it for editing. I could use it for editing, and I have used it when I'm traveling, um, just to use proxies. Super fucking easy. Um, I got a better computer though. Now that's another thing we're gonna get into. So like at this time, this is sort of what the gear setup was looking at a little bit. It's almost the same, except you can see that I've got like a little bit more. Uh, I got the audio there. I've got new zoom lens. I've got some rigging on there. All very cheap rigging. I still use some of these rails sometimes, but. Uh, and the cage I've used for monitors these days, but I don't really use most of this here. But the lens, the lens I'm still using right now, the lens exists right now. It's shooting Brie right now. It's on the B cam. Um, it's a little fucked up, but it still works perfectly fine. I still use these stands. Milk uh, crate. I do not use the milk <laughs> crate. Do I use milk crate? Is there anything in milk crate in here? Uh, I don't think. I mean, they're good for organizing things, and the, and I got it for free. I can't remember. What I'm I got just it. I'm just pointing it out because. Yeah, I'm still shooting in milk crates at this point, <laughs> as far as I know. I think I bought a Pelican case at the time. I had a Pelican case to carry the camera in. I had no idea how to configure it. Still shooting with the same lights. And I was also uh, I was also shooting with... Um, oh, and I bought these headphones, which is funny because they're over there on my desk and I use them as 
you know, for editing for a really long time. Another great purchase. I bought that one up in a way, even though they're really cheap headphones at the time, they were like, I guess that is kind of a middle of the road thing, but headphones, headphones just work. If you know, it's just going to continue working, just buy it. You know, it's different depending on what you're buying. You know, like I said, a C stand will last you your entire career. It's fairly inexpensive and you can rent it to a bunch of people. That is a super profitable thing to buy, which I don't own any, any of them. I own one and I don't even, I don't even know if that's technically mine. <laughs> it's like shared um so maybe i should buy some c-stands oh yeah i guess that's got the something orange yeah that's shared in my in my business but um like as you can see i've got this shit gear still but i was able to shoot this interview with uh with brett wilson brett wilson you know he's got some negative political opinions lately yeah. regardless of what you you think of him politically you know he's a he's a fairly big figure and for someone like me who was not used to interviewing big people at all. I didn't I didn't interview him. I just shot the interview. But when they approached me to shoot the interview, I wasn't like, oh, I don't know. I think I need to get this gear and I think I need to get that gear. Uh, I was just like, yes, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I figured it out. And I just, I I figured it out. And it was basically the same same kit. I think, oh, now I'm using my A7S in this one. There's also a softbox in there. Um, there's a softbox. I think that was one that I borrowed from Kicker. Mm. Um. Yeah, but essentially, and oh, and I, I had a lav on him. I think this might have been around the time that I bought this mic. Either way, you know, you just say yes. You say yes unless you actually don't think you can do it. If you think that you can do it, don't bring the client into the into the technical details of it. Just give him a price, buy the shit you need for it, and just fucking do it. Um, let's see what else we got. And then here's uh here's my computer setup at the time. Oh, and I upgraded to a Mac Pro at the time too. Um, and this was the exact same because I was working, I was working, uh, at kicker and I needed a bigger computer essentially. And so I was like, yeah, I can, I, I, I could do this. And I eventually just like use that money that I got from that to buy this computer. But it's not like I, uh, I don't know. This is kind of like a sidestep. This is not a really good example of it. But, uh, <laughs> and then there's, uh, this, uh, this laptop, actually this laptop I did get for a shoot. This laptop, I'm pretty sure is the one that I'm using right now. The one on the right here. This is 2012 MacBook Pro. Um, it was fairly, I think it was 700 bucks at the time, which was like fuck ton of money. I, I borrowed $700 from you because I knew that I would get um, money for the shoot. And I paid you back as soon as the shoot was over. But mm -hmm. I knew, I was like, I'm pretty sure my, can't, my, my computer had shit the bed when I bought this, before I bought this laptop. And I was like, fuck, I need a fucking laptop. Luckily, Brie was working a stable job at the time. She was the only one I had to go to. Like, I couldn't get money from my parents or anything. Um, so it was like, I, I was very lucky. But I never even considered, like, getting a credit card. I could have just got a fucking credit card, you know what I mean? Uh, which was so stupid. Well, but, we had, like, just moved out. We were just barely adulting. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but, like, if you can get a credit card, just get a credit card. I know it sounds stupid. I know a lot of people, like, are very against loaning it but if you know you're gonna get the money back like the next day or whatever or right away or you know you're, you're confirmed it's it is a gamble but there's gambles that you have to take in this business and maybe a lot of people would speak negatively towards me about me recommending that but that's that's how business works you got to take risks and uh that's the thing as long as you know you're going to be getting the money you never really really know that's the thing I guess. but if you're like if you've confirmed the shoot with them you have a shoot date lined up you can get the money up front what i often do especially if i'm buying gear like way back in the day when i was like desperate for money you get a 50 percent up front or you just say oh here's my production cost that i need covered up front and mm -hmm. then you just include whatever expenses you've already put into it or you're about to put into it 
and uh, that's it. That's a good way to make sure that you're gonna have the money. You're not gonna for be fucked. And even if you get fifty percent up front, it doesn't cover the complete cost of like this laptop. You still have fifty percent. You're not completely in a hole. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else we got. <clears throat> and it's not all just about. Um, it's not all just about like kind of buying things preemptively we'll get a little bit more into like the rentals and like buying things that last a really long time and how you can use that to actually make money we've covered it a little bit and i'll show you as we get there because that comes later in my career i didn't really understand that in these years when i was just figuring it out um but i do that now like a lot of my gear has like a lot of the gear in this room has paid itself off completely this light paid it off so itself off completely immediately and i bought it because i knew it would pay it off itself off completely but we'll uh, we'll get into that in a sec um Let's see. So, oh yeah, also in 2015, 2016, um, I was on, uh, what is this? Oh, this was the first thing I ever like shot. I DP'd this with Shay. And because, and this is another thing, is if you can connect with people who have gear that are at a similar level as you, um, you can combine gear and do shit like this. And we did our our first short. Um, We were using my camera, because at the time my camera was better than his. Um, but he had this monitor that also doubled it as an, as an external recorder, which was like super cool at the time. Uh, we had the sound guy who the sound guy had all his own gear. Uh, that's another thing to look for. Yeah, be, that's another thing is like when you're connecting with people just on set and but, you know, you can join Facebook pages. Facebook pages are huge for people that are like looking to just shoot stuff for fun that already have experience. Um, or maybe are like a little above you, but still willing to work on your like shitty things, you mm-hmm. know? And then they come and bring the gear with them. So you don't have to right. worry about that. As long as you're just, you just got to be really nice and you just got to be like, thank you so much. Just, or, you know, you just be, be upfront with them. Don't, be don't beat around the bush as if like, you're like, this is going to be a great opportunity for them. Or don't pretend like, you know, you might pay them at some point or might give them some. Something. Don't make any promises. Don't make any promises that just aren't true or you can't keep. Yeah. Like if like I didn't I didn't approach Maury, but I've done it a million times where I'm just like, hey, like this is the budget that we have. This is what we require. You come to them with what you can offer them and what you expect from them, and then you see get a yes or no from them. You know, uh, like you're like, hey, this is the budget. We only have like, let's say we have like even as low as like we cannot pay you, but we have food and we have food on set. It's gonna be fairly chill. Um. You know, it's on these days. If you're free, we would love to have you. We're just like a student film and we're trying to, you know, figure some stuff out, whatever. You can send them your other work. Um, let them know that you know somebody he knows or something or she knows, whatever. Like anything you can do to make a connection with them and let them let you let them know that you really, really appreciate them for bringing their stuff out and they'll bring gear out and you won't even have to own it. You won't have to leverage anything. All you have to do is just leverage your smile. And your relationship. And your relationship. <laughs> Um, so that's how we got him as far as I know. I didn't contact, contact him directly. Um, like I had this guy, he was shooting on, I think he was shooting on my T3i. This is Jesse. Just like behind the scenes video of us. Um, or he might have had his own camera. I can't remember. But he was in a similar position where he just didn't have, uh, he thought it was cool. Thought it'd be fun to do it. And you know, you can, you can do that when you have, when you're putting together this production, even though you're super, just as experienced as he is, it offers people a chance to experience production life. Mm-hmm. essentially yeah, right he just wanted to be on set so. yeah so that's what we did and see shay and i combine our gear um a lot of this rigging here is my stuff that i bought for cheap you can see this like 
the weight on the back is just weights. It's just a weight. A weight <laughs> that I bought. It's two, two and a half pound weights that I bought from Walmart. And then this is like all hardware from Home Depot and like this L bracket that I just spray painted black. And mm. then I attached it to something. And then there's my A7S and that's Shay's follow focus. Duct taped shoulder pad. Yeah, this, the, the shoulder <laughs> pad wouldn't stay on. So I like taped it to add tension. And then there's Shay's monitor. So we're combining gear to like make something cool. And we ended up making a, a short film which was really sick and it was a lot of fun. One thing that I bought on this shoot that I regret buying, I should have found someone who had it in town or something, but it was this uh, whole like suction cup set. Because at the time I thought it was like, oh, that'd be really cool to own is a suction cup set. But the thing is that they're too cheap to rent. They're, too, they're too, far too cheap to rent. Nobody's going to rent these. It would rent for like a dollar a day. Um, but they were fairly expensive to buy. I think they were like $40 each, which isn't like a lot, but at the time it was a lot. Like I, you know, on a short that we're making no money and you're already putting money into gas and you're putting money into food for the crew and stuff like that. And you're working like freelance. So with no money. So I ended up spending like hundred something bucks on the suction cup set that is never rented once. I think it rented like once and then a part of it broke and I didn't charge the guy. <laughs> so that to me was like, something that I should have found and borrowed or even rented. It would have been better to rent because the, the, the initial investment was way, way higher for, for what I would get out of it. But I wasn't thinking of it in future terms. I was just like, that would be a cool piece of gear That's to own. That's neat. I want that. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> and I'll shoot car stuff eventually and stuff like that. Never fucking use this again for car stuff. I have one that I use like to hold my phone in my car and it, it's really heavy duty suction cut mount <laughs> for my phone. And that's it. Um, So... An example of a way that I just did not leverage my gear at all. That's an example of like, shoot, buy gear, shoot, buy gear. Bad move, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, yeah. So anyway, those are some shots from like the first narrative thing that I ever shot other than like stuff in like film camp. It's the first like thing I, I DP'd with an actual crew. Um, and we just had like a bunch of shitty stuff. And I think the the lights we used were my lights. I don't have the actual film here. Uh, I couldn't find it. I think it's been taken off the the, the editor. Um, this guy uh, named Cameron. The editor, I think he took it off for whatever reason. But that's fine. This uh, is BTS. This is BTS. But I wanted to show the lights. So we lit. Uh, this, these were the low lights that I spent $200 on. Still working for me years later. There they are. Boom. Um, they, we basically, they were acting as headlights for the car. This house was way, way far away from where our car was that we were shooting. And so I wanted it to look like headlights. We just slapped those down in the field. Um, I think we had rented a generator or something or no, the guy who owned the property let us use his generator for free. What a guy, what right? A nice guy. What a nice guy. used his own gas to let us, but we were super respectful. She had like a little bit of a relationship with him. So it's like, be really nice and just, that's it. Be really nice. Um, so yeah, that like another reason why these lights were one of the best investments I ever made. They're still working for me. I mean, it's only a couple of years down the road, but they're super fucking bright, even though they were technically garbage. Baby. That's a little baby me. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, that, uh, that was great. Oh, and we borrowed a gimbal too for that one. That was the thing is the editor. That's another thing is if you bring, if you have a cool project that people would be interested in coming on to you know, they will just give stuff for free. Same with the sound guy. Same with uh, Cameron, the guy he wanted. Cameron wanted to edit. Um, neither of us wanted to edit. So that worked out perfectly. He happened to be, he happened to shoot wedding films for fun. He's like, I want to do something creative. 
So he had a gimbal already. So we used a gimbal for a shot and a drone. So we got a drone and a gimbal for $0 and he edited it. Like, anyway, I'm sure. That was an ideal situation. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I'm not going to take all, all the responsibility for that or most of it. Shay definitely put that together. That's actually where I met Shay. Um, Shay is the guy who I've started my production company with uh, for corporate stuff. Anyway, now we move on to Almost Pro. So I've titled this section. It's 2017. So I'm still working. As far as I know, I'm still doing corporate gigs. Um, slowly, but I'm slowly getting my own clients. I'm crewing on bigger productions. So I'm like doing camera assistant stuff on way bigger stuff. Um, I DP'd a low budget fe feature with Shay. Um, Shay, Shay, the guy I was mentioning before, we, we ended up DP, or I DP'd this thing and he production managed it. Um, so I shot a feature film again on like zero, zero gear. I think we got $7,000 for that and for the whole thing. And we shot it in like a week. It was insane. We won $10,000 TELUS web series pilot grant. Um, and then just doing a bunch of corporate work. So that's sort of where I'm at at this point. So we ended up shooting this on... I'm not going to show the, you the entire thing. I'll just kind of skip through it. But we shot this thing and we got, as far as I know, we, I don't think we, the only location we paid for was the farm one. Mm. So like, and, but we shot this entire thing with our own gear. I think we rented some stands that Shay didn't own at the time. We rented some stands. We had to rent a car. We got $10,000 for the project. It was a grant. So we spent it mostly on rentals. But looking back, we should have just bought like some stands. It would have been like, it would have been slightly more expensive, but it would have been way better buy. I don't think we were as cohesive as a team at the time, so yeah. I, I would have recommended that. We should have bought some stands with that with that money. But either way, um, we we ended up renting a bunch of stuff and, and shooting this, but the majority of it was shot on my own gear. Still still shooting this on my A7S. Um, uh, so that we got this house, whatever. Let's see some parts that are actually like lit. Uh, it's fucking lit. <laughs> It's lit. You guys can go watch this later. It's color graded poorly. It was created graded by me. Oh, here's actually we did use that suction cup rig again. Boom. We used the suction cup rig for this uh this whole section here. And like a few, I think we used it on a couple more shots on like the van. But this whole thing, again, going back to those lights, those lights that I bought for two hundred dollars. We lit this whole thing with lights. Or with those lights. We lit it all with lights. Isn't that amazing? Wow. We let this whole thing with those $200 lights, which again, great example of buying, buying things that last you your whole career. Lights are one thing that we, you'll, you'll always use. Um, the, yeah, we let this whole thing, they were basically stimulating these, uh, this truck's headlights, these cops or these park rangers pull up. This is on my fridge right now. It's a big magnet. Uh, let's see where we can see the headlights. It doesn't really matter. Shay had a 120D that we used to light uh, a bunch of stuff. Right, uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, so you, you can't see it in the shot because I think I did some VFX to make it a little less subtle. But th that basically acted as moonlight for this whole thing. He already owned that. He kind of got it through similar means. Um, you can actually see one of the lights in the shot in this one. My freaking LOL lights. Oh, it's no. right there. <laughs> uh, but we're using that. Basically, we're using two of those as like headlights throughout the entire thing because we couldn't keep this truck on because it would just die. And we, we had to turn it off for audio for like for obvious reasons. Um, but this whole chase scene here, right here. Let's watch this part. I love this part. It's my favorite part of the whole film. It's like it's old and it's it's old and kind of janky, but just watch this part. It's uh it's 
a lot of firepower for a park ranger. He's looking at his gun. You must not be from around here. I don't know why the audio is so bad right now. We're good to go. Sounds good. Audio sounds really fucking weird yeah, right now. I think it's just going. Bad. I think it's just going through the the recorder and stuff. But oh. it's going like through like three different things. Oh, he hit the guy. See, like this is all lit by those two shitty garbage lights that I had. But look, it's a fucking great film. We already had it. We didn't have to spend money on those lights. Great sound design. Guy out in Toronto. This is not doing the sound design justice. I'm getting to a point here. Let's just keep watching. This. See, like that, the lights turning on. That was one of the lights, too. And then... Oh, what I was looking for is not here. Oh, this section right here, uh, I use using the, the lights that I got from Kicker. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure these were Kicker's lights. They were like oh. these little tiny like LED lights from Aperture. <laughs> um, that was pretty sick. Anyway, that was a bit of a tangent that didn't really result in oh, anything. Oh, yeah. Fun fact for that van scene. Oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I didn't mention that at all. What's hilarious about this is we did this a million. Uh, we did this a million different times where we, we were reversing the van. We were like to get the tires skidding and we were trying to get the tires to spin and there was like a bunch of the van like driving off really fast like right here and he's like fucking like whipping around like this part right here he like does like a little whip around it was faster in other scenes i'm sure but yeah brie was even in this shot so right I was, here this I, was, I was on this um shoot just on this day to do bts photography yeah um and this was pretty late at night it was past my bedtime um, and it was cold, so I said I was gonna go take some photos while being in the van. Yeah. And it, they had the the heat blasting, and, and I was in the back chairs. seat in the comfy chairs, and I fell asleep. So she was sleeping through all these scenes where you see the van like driving around like crazy. She's in the back sleeping, like a pri <laughs> like a prisoner of this of this uh, this cop that stole his van. Yeah, park ranger kidnapped me. Yeah, she's in there. Except for that shot where I'm in the back, I think. Or no, you were no, there. I, I scooched still... you over. I remember I was like I was like, Moot Brie, I gotta be in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Um I think I yeah, I think I shot that part, which is funny. But Shay DP'd this, I directed I directed it. Stop! And we both we both produced it. Well, there was producers that were main we were like executive producers, we did fair decent. I don't want to take credit away from them. They did a lot of producing. They got everything. Brie still wears this jacket. I do. Anyway, I'm um, I'm trying not to go too much about like down memory lane, but you know, all that gear was shot with gear that all, that entire thing was shot with gear that I owned, and we had a bunch of locations and stuff. And it's not like I had a fuck ton of money to start. Like I moved out of my house, literally with forty dollars. My I I had four, I tell the story all the time because it makes me sound like I'm I'm something. <laughs> I, I I moved out with uh with forty bucks. Worked at a coffee shop. I saved up like two grand, I think, at the coffee shop. Left, and I literally only had like I had a couple outfits. I had like one pair of shoes and then I had two milk crates with camera gear. And that was like my T3i, couple lights, and that was it. And like I, I my most of that other than the A7S was shot with like the same gear. Like we even used the same tripod. This tripod that this camera's on right now, we used it in that shoot. This $200 tripod, you know. Well, I mean, ultimately it's like 350 So like great investment. Didn't have to rent a tripod for that thing. Saved a bunch, saved money on shoots between that one and when I bought it, like so much money. Like if you just buy really good shit, just save up strategically, 
you know. But anyway, like I said, we're going to get to more more stuff where you can actually make money off of it. Um, so anyway, at this point, we did the $10,000 thing, blah, blah, blah. So the things I bought this in this time was just mostly like, it was mostly like supporting gear for crew work because this was, I was sort of gearing up to do more crew work. I was understanding like how valuable it was to be on set, how much money you could make on set and how much like experience you could gain on set. And I was also kind of like trying to decide my career path. Like, am I going to join the union? Am I going to be kind of like, yeah, just really, am I going to join the union or is, am I going to try and like DP stuff? Am I going to just do corporate videos forever? Am I going to like try and be a YouTuber? Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, but, but I, I was doing crew stuff. So I started investing in like, I got a bunch of tools, a bunch of bags, cases and slates. And that's another thing. Uh, it, uh, that's very important to, to invest in is like if you're planning on doing crew stuff which you 100% should I think everybody regardless of whether you want to be a YouTuber regardless of whether you're doing corporate videos it's always beneficial to have like a specialty there's people who do gaffing which is you you know Shay does gaffing that's his primary thing it's where you're basically like in charge of the technical aspects of all the light you know, you 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 figure out what voltages all the lights require, and whether you need a generator or not, and what kind of cables to use, and that kind of stuff. Um, that's a gaffer. Communicates directly with the DP. And I'm saying, pick something that's not a director DP. Everyone wants to be a director or DP. It's very very rare. Most of the time, you're going to be doing your own. You're going to be funding your own stuff until you can get to that point. But to learn on set, you need something. You need to be, enjoy camera department. You need to enjoy a grip. You can be a PA. In my in my experience, I think the best thing to do is uh, probably start doing grip, being a grip, because if you fuck up, nobody's gonna see it, and you can also be like right next to all the people that are doing all the cool, important shit, mm-hmm. basically. So being grip is great. Um, I came up through camera. If you fuck up in camera, regardless of your experience, everybody knows. So <laughs> probably be a grip a little bit, but first, <laughs> um, so I invested. It, so anyway. Uh, invested in uh, you know just hard cases bags tools and that kind of stuff and that really helps you with those on-set roles because you know as an AC you need a bag of your own so that you can carry your tools you need tools you need tape and all that kind of stuff Um, and then the more other supporting stuff you have like cases or like I don't know other little bags it's just stuff you can bring to camera prep and use on your shoot especially if you're low budget and running gun like I've done that fairly often and I eventually bought my own LED light panels so I didn't have to rely on... I was getting to the point where I was kind of outgrowing this corporate video production company I was working for. And I bought these LED light panels so I didn't have to rely on them anymore. And that freed me up to basically just not have to ask. You know, It was a, it was a logistical move, which was, I think, very important. Um, but again, those lights... I think lights are almost always a really good investment. Um, those, like I said... You can get the cheap Amazon lights, but you'll eventually have to replace them. But if it's all you can afford, get the lights because it opens you up so much. But I bought these lights. Um, they're Aperture LED panels. And I still use them now. They're right over there in this case. And I use them all the fucking time. Um, so 2017 was around the, same, the time where I was like kind of realizing that you could make money in ways that wasn't just like working on set. I was realizing that you could rent gear. And if you had gear that other people wanted... This is where we're getting into the real meat of it, in my opinion. I realized that if you could buy things that other people wanted, you could make a fuck ton of money. And I could, and I saw it on a lot of productions. I was like, oh, these guys are renting this thing from this other person. I was like, I have one of those, but I don't have that relationship with them. Or I could have one of those, 
fairly easily. You know, a lot of people don't buy things because either it's too expensive for them to buy um, or they uh, they don't want to own it because it's like too big and clunky. You know, mm-hmm. they'd rather rent it. They'd have to find some way to store it. Yeah, exactly. So if you can find a way to buy that thing, honestly, like through a loan and you know it's going to rent and that's a huge risk is buying things to rent. I think that's typically a bad idea. It still has to be, you have to associate it with a specific production if you're going to plan on renting it. Um, that's a mistake I made with these. I, I, I this, this is where I'm learning how to rent things. And so I bought this. I found this just like by fluke for like five bucks. It's just like this other, it's another suction cup kit. Another I, one. Another one. I didn't learn, obviously, <laughs> that suction cup kids don't rent often at ever. And they if they do, they have to be very high payload because the people who are, have the money to rent them are also using bigger cameras. So unless you're getting a real big suction cup kit, you're not going to rent it. So I bought this. I don't think it ever rented. I think it rented like once. Um, this is rented a couple times. We This is another thing that we got through uh, lever- leveraging on a shoot. This is a my uh, NTG4+. Plus. Um, the sound guy, I think, was very, very inexperienced on this one show we were doing, and he, or no, he was a fill-in for a day or something like that, and he didn't have a microphone, and we had a little, it was at the end of the shoot, and we had a little money left in the budget, and we're like, let's just buy a microphone, like, let him use it, and so we did, and so we bought this, didn't cost us a dime, <clears throat> and then this was just sort of my gear package at the time, and I'm trying to, like, encourage people to rent my shit, I'm like, look at all the gear I have, and I had fucking nothing, like, who would who would rent based on these photos, what are they doing? <clears throat> but you can see I got like some cases and stuff and uh, getting cases and, and, and things like that is important for organizations. Still using milk crates apparently. Um, and then borrowing stuff because I had a good relationship with, you know, Shay at the time. And still, like I don't know so why I said it at the time. Ago. I know, right? It's weird, but it actually it was only in 2017. I know. Not that long ago, but it feels like ages ago. But this thing you can, this was when I started like really accelerating was when I was under, I, I know this is stupid. Like right now it's like, no one's going to rent best off based off these photos, but you can tell that like the gears are turning and I can understand that it's time to start making some money off this gear and it's time to start getting creative with how you can make money in film. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. So buying cases to make it more organized, that helps with renting to stuff, but it also helps make you look professional. Obviously that's another sort of like one of those social investments in my opinion, but it just keeps your gear nice and fresh and, and organized. Supported by cases. Um, so yeah, that's what I was doing then. Basically just kind of figuring out that it was important to rent stuff. And I was trying to buy things that I thought people wanted. I was like, ooh, the reason why I got these suction cup kits and I was trying to rent them is because like I have not, I on my local Facebook pages, I've seen a fair bit of people posting their gear for rent. I've never seen someone post a suction cup kit. And I didn't think that like, oh, maybe there's no market for that. <laughs> maybe there's a reason yeah, why exactly. I'd never see that. <laughs> right. But I was more like, that that's still I think a, a good thought process. I was like in my mind I was like there's a hole in the market, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the market well enough to understand that the hole was there because it wasn't needed. Um, but it's a big part of buying gear is figuring out what other people want to use. Um, this was this one was not the best investment. I think it's rented a couple times just out of necessity. Um, but I still use it. It's good. There's Shay. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So I'm figuring out how I'm figuring out how uh, rentals work, and then also in terms of um, buying gear, this is another great thing you can do, especially when you're joining with, uh, like, trying to communicate with other filmmakers and people in in your industry, even if you're not making films, is uh, bulk buying stuff. Like you, like I've organized a couple group buys. I did the RoboCup group buy because I had a I had a fifty percent off code with RoboCup. 
So I went to my local Facebook page. I was like, does anybody want a RoboCup? I have a 50% off code. Let's do a huge order. And so we got a big order and we did that. And I did the same thing with this. This is when I was like just starting out. I didn't know fucking anybody. And it was a big risk for me at the time too. And I think only a few people replied. Chase, I didn't know. Um, and I guess I knew these three. But it was a risk in terms of uh, this guy, Chase Axton. Because I didn't know him at the time. And I was like, is this guy actually going to buy them? Is he actually going to give you the money after you buy them? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so, but uh, it, it even regardless of what happens, you're, you're showing your face in a useful way on those Facebook pages. You're saying, look, I'm part of the film industry. I've got all these cases. And then when I got the cases, I posted the, I posted the cases to my Facebook. I'm like, got the cases, everybody. You know, it's, it's very like building up that social framework. Um, like just getting involved in the community. Yeah, and I did that just through buying gear. And, you know, they paid for me for that. I only paid for the, the ones that I got. I got a discount on the gear because of the bulk buy. I asked the guy, I was like, hey, would you do to get a discount if we bought like a shit ton of cases? And the guy was like, sure. He just wanted to get rid of them. That's a kind of a funny <laughs> story. It was really weird. Like this guy posted these cases on Facebook. And I was like, what is with, why does he have all these cases? Probably oh, some. Yeah, I didn't, I, I mean, it, it wasn't really that much of a question mark at the time. So I went there. And I went to the address and it was way outside of the city. And it was Super in a, sketchy. It was in an airplane hangar. And the guy lived in an airplane hangar and he had two he had a Hummer H one, a Hummer H two, a bunch of pinball machines, and like a big Just like TV a giant and a couch. bachelor pad. Yeah, it was like this giant bachelor pad in an airplane hangar. And the dude was just like, Yeah, all the, the cases are in there. And he he literally had this Hummer the Hummer H1 just like filled to the brim, like in every door, even in the driver's seat, like just like and you know, uh, uh, H1s have a lot of fucking space in them. It was filled with Pelican cases inside the, in the cab and then also in the, in the tr box of the truck itself. So I spent like a good like 45 minutes crawling around the inside of this Hummer and like tossing them around and trying to find the cases that were like the least damaged. And just like the best, yeah, the best looking ones. Yeah, exactly. Because I wanted to like it to look good on my film contacts, right? I was like, I don't want right. to buy these shitty cases. So I was like trying to find the best ones. So a lot ones. of them were really scuffed up. Yeah, he, I, I later found out that he used them for construction and stuff. And, and then they were decommissioned for some reason. Anyway, weird, weird kind of shit. It's kind of, kind of some weird shit. <laughs> Man, this podcast has been going for a while. Yeah. We're Should definitely, we take a break at any point? We could if you want to. Do you want to take a break? Kind of would like to. I can keep going if you, if you, okay. or do you want to wait? Let's take a break. We'll take a quick break. Um, and it's not going to feel like a, it's going to feel just like no time at all to you because we're just going to cut right back. All right. We're back. I think we're going to try and hurry this up. It's getting a little late and the podcast is getting a little long. And if you have any questions, just like ask me. Send me a DM on Instagram. Leave me a comment down below. I'd love to talk more about gear and sort of how you can use that to like, expand your career and, and and make some more money but we're gonna we're we're getting into the meat of it right now in terms of like actually making money off that gear um here we go so now we move on to oh, I'm, I'm forgetting where the assistant phase so i've called it i didn't come up with these very these names are not very creative <laughs> this is the assistant phase let's do the sound again the assistant phase wow Almost pro. This is 2018. So this is pretty close to now. And this is when I started, I feel like I really started understanding set life um, and understanding how you can actually start making money off of the gear and start getting gear for free, essentially, if you leverage it correctly. So this was the first year that, this is when I was like really building my film relationships. Um, it was my first full production crew position. So a lot of them, it was like, 
I do a couple days on a short film. I do a couple days like on a feature, like as a fill-in. I would do like fe- like a couple days on like some things. I was getting around, but I wasn't like anyone's main guy at that point. Like I was usually the second guy that was called or the third guy or whatever or the fourth guy. I don't know, but it's good to at least be on that list. Yeah, exactly. You were still on the list. Exactly. So at this point, this was the first one where I was I was like the first guy on the list. Maybe I wasn't the first guy on the list. Either way, I got the job. <laughs> um, so I, I was on this uh, production called Abracadabras. It's fun. We'll put it up on the screen here. I don't really need to get too into the specifics of it. But uh, yeah, this was like the first uh, sort of big crew that I was on. It's not, it, you know, in the scale of things, it's, it's not really that big. But it was it was a fleshed out. We had departments and everything, you know. Um, these are all BTS photos I took. There's Shay. Shay was gaffing on it. And uh, there's Carly staying at these motels. It was motels. your first full series. It was the first thing that I was on for the ru- entire run of show, mm-hmm. um, which was very exciting. And then uh, after that, I ended up doing another one with these guys immediately after. Uh, then that led, I, I ended up being on my first feature film, which was really insane. Uh, I was on, and then I went to a McDonald's commercial as as the first assistant camera. Um, and then I started getting my first like pure camera operator gigs. I did some for HGTV, History Channel. We did one big doc for OpenAI, which was a lot of fun. Went to Vancouver and all this stuff. So I, I was I was starting to understand sort of where I, where I wanted to be in the film industry and and where I was valuable and where I could bring value to other people and how I could essentially leverage that to make money. So and then it yeah. So this year, this is this is the year that we also we also ended up buying the studio because again, like I said, I was understanding sort of where the holes needed to be filled. I thought a studio was a really good idea. It turns out it was kind of a shitty idea, but it was a really good idea in terms of getting social cred because I think that built our social cred a lot. And we were able to get the studio for insanely, insanely cheap. Like I I don't know if about the things about saying exactly how much I'm renting it for. Basically nothing, and which also allowed us to rent it for basically nothing. So we had this small studio; it was already painted black, insane. That we were able to offer to our film connections for basically nothing. We'd just be like, yeah, just like some of them, we'd just like, yeah, you can just shoot in there for the day. We, you don't have to pay, depending on the on on the occasion or whatever. If they have no budget, um, you know, you can cut them slack and just be like, yeah, you just shoot in there, just leave it clean. It's or yours, so. exactly. And we could make a little bit of money just to cover the rent. Um, baby kitty. You're going to interrupt this podcast too? I guess we have been occupied for like almost two hours. Um, I ended up buying Shogun Inferno, which is another one of the, the best investments I've ever made. Um, I'm using it right now. It's, it's a monitor slash recorder. And I bought the Shogun Inferno because I knew, I knew that I was going to be doing a ton of assistant work that year. Um, and I was like, whether I can rent this to the production or not, it's going to make me more valuable to have this thing and this production will ultimately i will recoup the cost just on days worked i was able to rent it to the production so it paid itself off that summer so i bought this 1200 i think it was actually like 2500 like all in with the whole kit maybe and uh it paid itself off i was able to pay itself off because i knew that i was going to get a bunch of camera assistant work i was talking with somebody i was like damn i'm going to be on the run of show Yes, I have a monitor. I, I, well i asked them i was like do you guys have a monitor for this thing and they were like no and i wasn't even using the monitor on the first one and I was like, do you guys want a monitor? I, I, I've been thinking about getting a monitor. I'll just get it, you know? And they're like, sure, you know? And so I rented it to them. I was like, I'll rent it to you for cheaper than anywhere you can rent it, basically. And they went for it. And 
that's another thing. When you own your own gear, you can leverage it in a way that you can just rent it cheaper than rental houses. And plus, they don't have to go through insurance and stuff, so people are way more interested in renting from you. So I knew I was going to get assistant work, so I bought the Shogun Inferno, and I rented it, paid it off. Uh, let's see. Oh, I want to show this sick-ass slate shot, sick-ass shot that Shay took of me. Uh, probably the coolest photo that anyone's ever taken of me. You do look really badass. It's pretty fucking badass of me on this... <laughs> on this shoot slating uh yeah first big project that i've ever been on it was a lot of fun um <clears throat> but i've slated and stuff in the past but again like i said first uh, it was the first like run of show this is this is uh, abracadabras um you can look it up it's a telus funded web series ton of fun um everyone on that crew was super great then we did summer's monster immediately after that um which was also a lot of fun and you can see another telus Another Telus funded one, and and another thing. See, there's my monitor right there. Then that's the director Morgan, and he's using it. And uh, they had their own wireless system and everything, but it was super useful. I ended up buying some accessories for it. I bought this really shitty HDMI cable, um, but it was useful. Like it was shitty, but it was useful. Oh, it got us fake money. This is a bunch of fake money that <laughs> someone uh, Morgan brought to set. Um, that was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so like, you know, I bought things anticipating that it would be either useful to the production uh, surrounding the things that I was responsible for, essentially, to ease, if you can ease their job um, through your job in any way, you know, and you can do that through buying things, then do it. Um, like, I, I bought this chest pouch and everything, so I ended up investing a lot into a lot of camera assistant stuff that year because I knew I was going to be doing camera assistant stuff. Um Let's see what else we got here. Uh, and then, you know, I started shooting you know, some pure camera camera stuff. This was fun. Um, this one is not really about gear investments. This is just a thing I did for uh, uh, History Channel, which was really sick. I camera operator on it. But anyway, at this point, I'm, I'm kind of getting more into full crew or like sort of just pure camera operator gigs where I'm not like doing everything. I'm not producing it. I'm not hiring a bunch of people. They're just like, we need a camera operator. Pretty dope. Um, and then uh, this guy. So this was, so basically this is everything that I, this is like a little album of just things I did that summer. Um, this was the first like, well, not the first big camera I rigged out, but there's a, this, I was on this feature film for the entire summer. Um, so was the, this was probably the biggest project I've ever done at the time where I was on for run a show. I was first assistant camera, which means I was completely managing all the gear in camera department. And I was also uh, um, pulling focus on the day. And so like even for this, I was trying to find stuff that I could rent to the production or make it easier. Um, like you can see my hardware and stuff there. And like, you know, you're going to, it's ex when you're crewing stuff, it's expected of you to have things like that. Like you need bags, you need hardware, like this rig wouldn't have come together unless I had this hardware, which is kind of, but it's like this unspoken thing on productions and you don't really know until you get there. This bag I bought, this was a great purchase. Um, I bought this um, knowing it would be useful on the show, knowing that I was planning on getting a bigger camera that it would fit into later on. So I ended up buying this. Uh, that worked as great as a Diddy bag. Um, yeah, there's just this is just some like, I guess this is just like going down memory lane right now. Um, this is East Texas oil. This was a lot of fun. See, we've got like a whole Western town. This is just right, sort of right next to our town. This is, there's Charles, the DP, had two cameras. This is the one that I built. And this is the other one. Look, you can see how shitty 
B cam or A cam is compared to mine. I, I don't remember who rigged up A cam, but B cam, look at the cables. They're all so nicely, like they're cinched up and they're labeled and A cam is just like fucking everywhere. It's just like a nest. <laughs> Not to brag. This is just a funny photo we in the <laughs> Oh wow. <laughs> like, I know, he looks like a sailor or something. He's a seaman. <laughs> um but anyway yeah so that was some good fun this was the mcdonald's commercial i was on where again i'm using that same monitor you can see that it's got my website on it i'm using the same monitor i was able to rent that to production i think i got like 80 bucks a day for it um on that one so i made you know like i made huge money off of my day rate i was already making 550 a day and then i rented that for 80 bucks a day if i had like other shit to rent for them i could their monitor happened to know i this is another thing is uh, they should have had monitors for me, right? Like, this is a pre pretty big production. This is McDonald's. They normally wouldn't, you know, we're shooting on Alexa Mini. Um, like, they got, they, I think they had three Alexas on that show. They were all two Alexa Minis and Alexa Classic at C camera. But um, their monitor shit the bed, like, first thing. Their monitor just, like, it just shit the bed completely. And luckily, I had this in my car because I was like, I'm going to bring this just in case. I used it, talked to production. I was able to get $80 a day for it. Boom. You know, that's another good chunk of change. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Oh, look, your tattoo. Oh, that's my tattoo. <laughs> and then this was like a little doc that we were shooting. We got camera operator gigs. And because we already own this gear, we'll get. I'll get more into like sort of leveraging your camera gear in that way in a second. I mean, I guess I could talk it right now. I ended up buying this FS5. Um, sorry, I'm really... Gassy in my tummy. Um, <laughs> for that. I ended up buying this FS5. Um, I didn't really have the money for it at the time, but I knew that I was had a bunch of like a couple of really big gigs coming up, and I had them scheduled. I already had the Shogun Inferno. I bought the Shogun Inferno, knowing that it was a recorder, knowing that it would upgrade my current camera, knowing I could use it on future cameras. But I, I I rented this to the production too. I knew that I had these big shoots coming up. They asked me what kind of camera I use. And I was like, I was thinking about getting an FS5. I was like, I have an FS5. Or I just shoot on FS5, whatever, Sony. You know, they said they shot on FS7s. <clears throat> and I was like, I can fulfill that need. Um, Shay here has got an FS7. That's this boy. And uh, yeah, we crewed this thing. We used all our own gear. And it was, uh, we made good money on that. That was sick. That was the Dota 2 World Championships in Vancouver. And this is like, just kind of, me shooting some B-roll and stuff. But yeah, that's, you know, my gear. I'm making my day rate off of it. I got some rental and it's it's paying for itself. I'm sure, I, I haven't calculated the specific cost for my FS5. I'm sure it's paid itself off. But that's, again, something that if you know that you have, like, let's say, I don't know. Let's say, I mean, I, I've come across a gig like this. Let's say you somehow land a sick dock gig. Like, it could have been this one. I could, maybe I didn't own the FS5. Let's say I land this gig. I could just fucking buy an FS5 and pay off even like a third of it. Even a third of it, if I know I've got gear work coming up, I could buy the FS5, pay off a third of it, rent it to the production, and that is like still a fantastic investment because it's going to pay itself off down the road. Still using my FS5 as my main main camera, fantastic camera. Um, works in other people's workflow clearly because they had FS7s. They wanted other FS7 shooters. Shay had an FS7. I knew, and, and Shay, I think... I can't remember who bought which camera first, but like we were both talking about what cameras we wanted. We knew the cameras that people use in our local industry, and that's why we ended up buying Sony FS series cinema cameras because we knew that people in our vicinity use them. 
and it benefited us tremendously and it still does and i'm pretty sure shay's like shay's thinking about upgrading his camera now he's gotten like all that he can get out of that camera he's just gotten hired so much mm -hmm. based on that camera which is insane but it's like it's honestly like 50 percent your skill and that skill includes your ability to network and stuff um and then the other 50 percent is your gear like your gear is so so fucking important and uh, just more shots of the camera and i was able to like you know rig on to do some other cool shit this was fun this i i you know I, I got to rig this whole thing out i had a little bit of gimbal experience and and uh this was fun i just rigged this out i didn't do this i'm not a grip or anything <laughs> but uh that was, a, that, was a, that was a really good summer this was another one for, uh with charles hamilton charles hamilton dp right there he's a great guy um but same thing i somehow wound up on his on his feature film he liked me hired me on some other stuff including this um uh, but this is not about. I keep talking about networking stuff, but it's about gear. But that's it's kind it's kind of goes goes hand in hand. It kind of goes hand in hand. Um, let's see what else we got. So anyway, so that so that year, uh, that was 2018. I bought the Shogun Inferno. I I was doing. I bought a bunch of camera assistant stuff. So like tools and and, and pens and stuff like that. Things that, again, things like that, especially expendables. If you need it on the production, you can expense it to the production. You just need to talk to people you're working for. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a camera assistant and you need, you know, if it's a, especially if it's a big show, if it's a little show, often they won't have the budget for it. But like, let's say you need tape. Like if you need, you need tape on every set, you say, hey, I have expendables. Like we, you know, can we get some money for the expendables? Yeah. Um, you just talk to whoever's directly above you about that and they'll probably put, point you towards the production manager. Um. But like all the tape that I own, I own this huge fucking stringer of tape and I didn't pay anything for it. It's all been paid by productions. Like productions paid for all the tape. They pay, they've paid for basically all my expendables. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Dana Dolly. Oh, see this. this. Oh, am I skipping ahead? No, I'm not. Okay. This is where <laughs> we get in, into, the, into the real meat of it, in my opinion. Because the FS5, in my opinion, I bought way too early. I did. It took me way too long to start making money off of it because I was doing crew positions. I should have not bought m the camera. I should have bought. Uh, I should have bought like lighting and grip stuff. Even though I wasn't in grip department, I should have bought more lighting and grip stuff. Probably should have bought like a follow focus at the time. That would maybe way more marketable. But I didn't really understand that at the time of like who I'm marketing to. You know, because even though you you know it's not like we're I'm like an influencer or anything when you're working in the film industry you still have that sort of brand you're like I am the camera assistant you know so you got to buy things that facilitate that area of expertise um but I did buy some really good stuff uh I bought the um uh the Dana Dolly let's see if I can pull this up this is probably one of the best investments um I've ever made what is this okay right here this is probably one of the best investments I've ever made. Dana Dolly. Oh, uh, this is FS5 all rigged out. I rented some stuff. Where is it? This is just a shoot that I ended up doing. This was, by the way, with the, that, that client where I rented the first stuff from. That, yeah, that. That Brie was on and everything. This, this is the same client like years later. And they're still doing stuff. They, their productions have gotten bigger and better and they had way more money. Um, but I knew that this shoot was coming up um, because they're you know, a great client. We were talking, we were already planning it and stuff. And I kind of knew what I wanted out of it. And I knew I wanted to try some new things. So I bought this preemptively knowing that I was going to rent it to them. Essentially. I didn't pay it off in that production, 
But I also knew just from gaining experience in the industry, I worked on that feature film and saw these, I, like they had Dana Dollies on there. I'd never seen, I'd never seen a Dana Dolly before. And that was on, so that was East Texas Oil. Um, it was the same year, actually. It was the beginning of the year. Um, man, I was like, but I mean, I was, I was doing other shit. I don't know. I was doing, uh, I'm making myself sound like super inexperienced at the time. But maybe I was more inexperienced than I realized. But I had never seen a Dana Dolly before East Texas Oil. Um, and it's basically like a giant slider. It's not really a slider because your camera goes on this plate and the plate slides on like rails. So it is technically a dolly. But think of it like a giant slider. Um, but the thing is that they're industry standard. It comes with um, it comes with adapters for like other heads so you can have huge fucking cameras on it. And their their main use is for big productions that need a small footprint. So even though it looks really chunky and looks like it's like, you know, a bitch to carry around, which it is, for a big production, this thing is like a way, way smaller alternative to a big... Uh, to a big dolly. Well, if you go back to that last photo set that you had there. Yeah, like uh, this that one. Thing. Like, look at that. Look at that fucking thing. Imagine trying to bring that into, uh, you know, some indie place. Like, we're in, a, we're in the middle of a field, but like, you know, you, know you, got, you got a small crew that can't manage that. Maybe you don't have the budget for this. You might have the budget for the, to rent this, but you don't have the budget to run it, you know? Um, with this, you can do not the same thing. Like, you wouldn't have this whole thing on the top but you could have the dolly aspect of it for nothing you know like from from a productions uh from a production perspective you rent this it's like 200 bucks a day or something like that um and they're saving a fuck ton of money and if you can you can rent it cheaper because you already own it like it's a huge it's a huge advantage i guess right and if you know the right people to market that to then you can rent it and also one thing that's great about owning this it's very adjacent to grip gear is it won't get it's very difficult to damage and uh it's also like it's just made of metal it's dumb so you don't have to upgrade it necessarily like it doesn't you don't have to there's not a lot of maintenance involved in it it won't it's not easy to damage essentially is what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. um and this thing has paid it off itself off so many times this is probably my the 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 piece of gear that makes the most money in terms of things that I like. This has been used by more other people more often than it's used by me, mm-hmm. because I just knew that there was only like one or two other kits in in Calgary, um, uh, which is the city I live in, and that they, you know, there's a whole there's a hole in the market to be filled. And I, I remember talking to people on the set of East Texas Oil, and they're like, "Oh, these are great. I wish we had these and these." And I was talking to like other DPs that I work with, and they were like, "Man, if I had a Danny Dolly on my set, if you had," I was like. I asked people, I was like, if I bought a Dana Dolly, would you rent it? Just straight up ask them, if I bought this thing, would you rent it? And they were like, oh man, I would have totally rented that. I got like that from like three different people and I was like, fucking done. Looks I am like I'm buying it. One. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I, I, I bought it at a bad time because I was shooting a lot of my own stuff and I didn't really, uh, uh, I can't remember what happened. I just wasn't able to rent it for a little bit. But the next year, once production picked up, like I rented it so many times. That thing mm-hmm. has paid itself off so many times so great great investment like understand that's a great example of me learning and understanding my local industry and understanding like what people want in the local industry mm-hmm. and um this isn't necessarily necessarily what i want to make money off of but there are people that just do that that just buy gear strategically or they'll go onto a set and once you have high enough uh clout 
and relationships, you're the yeah, you're the first person that they call and the first person that gets recommended. And they're like, oh, I know this guy. He's got all this gear. Shay's definitely sort of in that world because he's got a bunch of grip gear. A lot of people call him for indie stuff. Like he's got a bunch of lights, he's got a shit ton of C stands. Again, like grip gear is a great thing to invest in if you want to rent it out to productions and stuff. And um, it gets you on gigs. And it gets you on gigs and people see a lot of value in you if you have that. Like this, Dana Dolly was, uh, uh, yeah, I made enough money off of this project and like projects around it where I could pay for it. And I basically made zero dollars off of uh, at least this because I ended up putting a bunch of money into like rentals and stuff. Like I rented these lenses and shit. Um, and like crew, I wanted to hire crew and make the project good. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely leveraged that really well i think and that's one one of the, probably the best one of the best investments i've ever made it's really crazy looking at that as like old set well no just looking at that set compared to the very first one that we did with oh them. yeah the very first one compared to that it's crazy it's just like me you and a tripod and like zach zach <laughs> and then that one had like i don't know i think we had so like much. 15 people or something and we had like a makeup artist and uh kalela she's great and then we had costume design. costume design. We had a bunch of grips. We had a bunch of rental gear. Shay had a bunch of gear. Another thing is like Shay has a bunch of gear. I, I, he let me just like, I rented it from him. That's the thing is like, I had budget for that. I had rental budget. And I was like, and because me and Shay are friends, he rented it to me for super cheap. So he's making money. He's paying off his gear. Um, and uh, I'm getting a relatively cheap rental because I have this relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kitty Ooh. baby, you are lucky that my tea isn't full. Because that you would have just knocked it over. Uh, <laughs> All right, so we're on to anyway. Uh, we're we're almost at the end of this 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 train. So this is basically, I, I titled this one "We Out Here" because this is the 2019-2020. It's my current my current one. Is that the flashback or the title? Oh, that's the flashback. Flashback to uh, right now. Um, Right now. Yay. I appreciate it, Brie. Thank you. Let's add some claps in there. And some air horns. So 2019, 2020, um, finally making money on rentals, no longer struggling to find work. Um, Oh, I also bought some lights in that last year and rented those too. I should have mentioned that. But uh, finally making money on rentals. I'm like no longer like having to like beg for work. Like a lot of it's just kind of coming my way and coming a little bit more naturally because I'm just getting better at it. This is 2019? Yeah. Um, crewing on bigger projects like commercials and TV shows and stuff. Met a lot of really cool people. Um, operating and DPing on more stuff. I was able to operate on... Um, well, this one I, I AC'd on. This was a lot of fun. These are just some BTS photos of this one. We we took a bunch of snowmobiles and we snowmobiled way out into the backcountry in Golden. This was for this TV show where they... I guess, like I talked to them and the, they... They easily could have done all this stuff on like green screens. It's for like a kids TV show. And I asked him, I was like, this whole thing is for kids TV show. Why do we need to like crew out, like drive like 15 people out on snowmobiles and a fuck ton of gear into the middle of nowhere and spend literally like tens and tens of thousands of dollars on the shoot. And it was just a casual question. He's just like, I don't know. They just wanted to shoot it for real. I was like, okay. So it was a really sick experience anyway. We just, we went out there with all these snowmobiles. Um, I was able to use my own gear and rent it to them. Again, this monitor continuously paying itself off because I knew assistant camera stuff. I was like, I'm going to stick to camera department. I can just continue buying gear for that, rent it to them. Um, you know, I rigged out, <clears throat> rigged out their, 
one of their cameras here. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> I can't remember if this one was mine at the time. No, I think I bought mine more recently. I think I rented that one from somebody for really, really cheap. Um, but here we are, way, way out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Snowmobiled out. It's really sick. Super fun experience. But again, you know, leveraging my gear. Um, by that time, you kind of have the connections and stuff. And you can build it. It's less about the gear. It's definitely less about the gear in that case. Um, oh, what is this? Oh, it was, I wanted to look at this. I like worked on this uh, Lululemon shoot. First time operating Ari Alexa Mini, which was sick. So I was actually camera operating on Alexa Mini, which is fucking rad. Look at that boy. Look at that booty. Yeah, that's an AC booty. That is an AC booty. <laughs> <laughs> Posing as a camera operator booty, but definitely an AC booty. <laughs> um, so that that's was... An- that's an inside joke. That's a bit of an inside joke. ACs have big <laughs> booties. I've noticed all the ACs I work with, including me, have big booties. Um, and Travel Alberta. And so, like, for all of these, all of these, in some way, big or small, I was able to uh, leverage my gear and make a little bit of money off this. And this one is great because I had, you know, uh, the guy who's DPing it was, like, a good friend of mine. I mean, at the time, I don't think he was a good friend of mine. I knew a little bit about him, and we hadn't really, I think we, I can't remember we worked on stuff before that together. I think we did. Small stuff. Grant. Oh. Grant's going to be on the podcast later. He owns an Alexa Mini LF. He's the king of leveraging things for gear and buying gear. He owns an Alexa Mini LF. So we're going to talk all about that on the next podcast. But Or not next podcast. Podcast after next podcast. It's going to be super cool. But the one is, where he's in. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is, the, this is just the view from my hotel room. I just got on this sick fucking shoot at Lake Louise. Got this freaking view of the lake from my hotel. So beautiful. But on that shoot, Still making money. I ended up buying, um, I bought, well, I was renting my light to him. I already had 120D Mark II. Um, I think I bought that the year before, but I was like, yo, you know, I know you need lights. You want to rent that shit? And they were just like, yeah. You know, you just ask them. You give them your, you give them your list and you're like, is there anything you want to rent from me? And lights are something, especially if it's current and it's punchy, um, it's always something that'll rent. And I think that light paid itself off on that shoot. And then we, uh, we ended up doing, um, we ended up doing more with that. We, we there we did another stint of Travel Alberta, and I bought a 300D Mark II like very recently. I asked him, I was like, "Hey, thinking about buying a 300D Mark II, would you rent it?" He was like, "Yeah," and it paid itself off in that stint too. Freaking got a 300 free 300D Mark 300D II, 300D Mark II. Getting tired. <laughs> I got a free 300D Mark II. Didn't have to do any work. I just said, "Hey, do you want to rent this?" And he was like, "Yes." And I mean, I don't think it paid itself off completely on that shoot, but uh, he's rented it since and other people have rented it since and it's free, you know? And yeah, so that's fucking dope. Um, This is... uh, Again. Yeah, this is... Okay, this is again the same client. The same client that I started with and like every year we do it gets bigger and bigger. There was a few more years like... there's It's like an annually reoccurring... Yeah. Client. I've skipped some videos that we've shot with them. We shot like uh, a, like a few more, I think three or four more that I haven't shown. Um, but look, Shay, there's Shay again. Uh, Mark, homie. Um, there's me and Shay. And that's me and Shay. And this, so this is the shoe that we're on. Again, like remember Abercadavers, that one that I, it was like the first thing I AC'd, first thing I was on the run of show. That We rented this jib from them for 50 bucks. It was kind of a shitty jib, like overall. But we got it for fifty dollars. 
you know, just having those relationships. And then we didn't have to buy it. We didn't have to rent it from somebody else for more expensive, um, you know, and you can let other people borrow your stuff in exchange for favor bucks mm -hmm. too. You let other favor people borrow bucks. and rent your stuff. Favor bucks are fucking huge. If you have gear, you can gain so many favor bucks as long as you're not letting yourself get pushed around. You can build so many favor bucks. If you're comfortable letting someone borrow a light, they'll happily buy you a beer or let you use some of their shit. Mm -hmm. You can offer that to them. Say, they're like, hey, can I use your light? And I'm like, sure. Um, that's totally cool with me. I don't need it on that day or anything. And then later on, or even right then, you could say, I could really use your this. If it's of equivalent value or something like that, or you have a good relationship, why wouldn't they say yes? They almost always say yes. So you can borrow gear with, if you have gear, you can leverage that to borrow more gear, you know, uh, on shoots later on. So like having gear bolsters you socially too. Mm -hmm. Um. yeah so you get the gear basically by leveraging it with clients especially when you're working freelance and then when you're working on set you can leverage it with the production completely Um, just so many good ways to buy gear without actually having to spend money on it where you can like either end up with zero sum or you profit off of it and typically typically it's zero sum but there's a lot of like as you do it you'll figure out what you can profit off of and you'll see what other people are profiting off of too like pay attention to what other people are renting like when i bought the 120d2 um people were uh what what was it about the 120d2 that made it rent i can't remember there was some hype about it and people had already had some experience with aperture lights and i was like i know when this 120d2 mark comes mark 2 comes out people are going to want to rent it same with the 300d2 you know, and plenty of people have rented the 300D2, and I basically got it for free from a different production, you know? Pretty sick. Um, so yeah, here, this, this is our shoot, and I think the only thing we're renting here, we rented this frame, and we rented this dolly track, and we rented this dolly. Um, that C-stand, all the C-stands are Shays, all the lights, except for one, one light we rented, everything else belongs to us. The light that we rented, which is a, it was Alex Mitchell's Joker bug 1600 Mark II. Fuck, I'm probably butchering that. They don't have like Mark IIs and stuff. It's too legit for that shit. <laughs> it wasn't a Joker bug, was it? Joker 1600. It was a Joker 1600. It's the most recent version of the Joker 1600. It's really punchy and it's like really good light. And so we had that behind there. We rented that, rented this frame, but everything else was ours. Like we had, we had all our aperture lights out. I don't know if you can really see them. Let's see, got one there. We had a couple behind the frames. And then we had one that was kind of just bouncing around later on as like just to fill. Um, using my camera, my FS5 II, uh, using my Shogun, you know, was able to make money off of that on that production. Um, yeah, just, you know, owning the gear will pay for the gear. I feel like that's really what I'm trying to hit home here is that like when you own the gear, it pays for itself and it's not in acquiring the gear. People, people, some, some people generally understand that, but acquiring the gear is not so difficult if you know where to look and you know how to talk to people about it in the right way. You know, like you don't have to just shoot by shoot by you wait for the shoot to come, figure out what you're going to buy for that shoot let the client give you the money and then you do it, you know, or you sort of sample a little bit from your local industry, people you know, and you use that knowledge to make informed buying decisions on what's going to make you more money. So this sounds all super complicated. I'm sure it does. And I would never have been able to wrap my head around it until I actually tried it and did it. But, um, and there's definitely risk involved, but it's, mm -hmm. 
can be very, very fruitful as, I mean, like, I'm not going to say my shit's the fucking best. It's not like I shoot the bombest shit and I'm the only one who can make good shit. But like, I can do a proper short film without renting a single thing, you know? And it's, and like, I bought the stands for this shit. Like this, Dana Dolly, again, here, paying for itself. I was able to um, pocket a lot of the money because I didn't have to rent a bunch of stuff, you know? Or you can do basically no budget things for a decent amount of money. Or, for, or you can do no budget budget things at really high quality because you have the gear already from other paying gigs. And those ultimately bring up your quality uh, and get you more gigs. And here's Grant. Here's Grant with his Alexa Mini LF. What a cute, a cute boy. There's just me and him snuggling in the... There's his Alexa Mini LF. In the and you know what's funny is he did the same thing with this uh, with this Ronin. Um... He there was a production that he knew he needed a gimbal for for the entire run of the production. He was able to get a twenty thousand dollar gimbal because the, he knew that the rental cost of it, even though he was still and and it's not like he's fucking anyone over or scamming anybody. He looked into it as I looked into it. It was funny. Me and Shay wanted to buy this gimbal, and I I, I he had the idea first, I guess, because <laughs> we were working on the same thing. We we're like, let's buy this gimbal and rent it to the production. He was renting it to, to the production cheaper than they would have rented it from like a rental house. But he was able to still pay it off. I don't know if he paid it off completely, but he got a $20,000 gimbal for nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, and all because, and I'm not, not all because, he's a very, very talented cinematographer, but a big part of it was the fact that he owns an Alexa Mini LF. More leverage, more reason for people to hire him. He already owns it, you know, and he'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, as far as I know, he doesn't own it up outright. You know, I don't I, I don't want to say any specifics. I know some specifics, but I'll let him say it. He seems very open to talking about it. That's why I'm comfortable talking about it as well. Um, there's me. Aww, in that, in so the thing. cute. This is also Grant's camera cart. Same thing. He leveraged all that shit. We'll talk about that more. That's his monitor. <laughs> That's my cute face. Um, oh, this is the boys. <laughs> the boys. I, I love this photo. They They're all just so like, we had pooped. the, oh God, we, that was like, I can't remember why that day was so shitty, but we were all feeling like shit. And we had to, there was no elevator in this place and we had to bring all this gear up the stairs. <laughs> and I just remember we were talking about it and they looked so miserable. I feel like I can see why you guys, uh, why? <laughs> just because of all the gear? No. Vodka, gin, whiskey. Yeah. You, <laughs> we probably got really drunk the night before or something. Um, but like, I mean, a lot of you can see a lot of this shit's rented, but a lot of this shit's Shay's too. Look at like, and he rented this to the production. These are Shay's. This is Shay's cart. This is all Shay's tools. Those are his clamps. You can rent the tapes. You can rent that stringer of clamps for like I don't know, like five bucks a day. Eventually, it'll pay itself off. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, maybe not even five bucks a day. I don't know. You get it, and you can also like create a, a full rental package, and then you just discount them like twenty five percent. And they're like, wow, that's amazing. And then you just make a fuck, a fuck ton of money off of things that you would all you would same amount of effort for you exactly things that you would already bring things that you, the production would be renting from someone else essentially is you're mm-hmm. just like why 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 are you letting all these other productions give the money out uh, give give it out to other people you know you you need to be that person um so those are his uh those are also his tubes, tubes. Uh, what are they called they're in gun cases it's kind of funny oh, the, uh... looks like he's carrying guns around and shit they're uh, quasar tubes. Those. Those were a fantastic buy. There was not a lot of them in Calgary at the time. Shay was like, those are cool lights that people are going to want to use. Mm-hmm. So and he's rented them out plenty of times. 
Yeah, and they were like, in terms of the amount of money he's made off them, they're very cheap. And then all these photos are unedited, unfortunately. I do have edited versions of them, but I couldn't find them. But this is just like hidden up the gondola. This isn't really that interesting um, for that shoot. A lot of fun. Um, so yeah, that was a great one. I invested a bunch of AC shit. I invested in this camera right here because I needed it. You know, it's funny about this camera. How much How much was this camera? I think it was, is, this is an A6400. I can't remember how A6400 is used. But uh, I wanted a camera, like I my only 4K camera, I had my FS5 and then my A7S Mark One that I needed to use with my Shogun to be 4K. It had only output its 4K. It doesn't shoot 4K internally. But I was like, I need a camera that shoots 4K internally, also does S-Log3 because my old one didn't. Um, and it can record indefinitely or whatever. Picked up this A6400 for the shoot. Uh, I think I got paid... Like I don't know, let's say nine fifty or something for the shoot, something like that. All like most of that money I think went towards this A sixty four hundred, and I bought it used. But I got a free fucking A sixty four hundred for it, and now I have this A sixty four hundred. I just bought it first. The guy was like, "Hey, we need to do a three camera shoot." And I was like, "Cool, I can do that." This is how much it's gonna cost. Yeah, exactly. This is how much it's gonna cost. And then I knew, I knew it was it was like for a charity thing, so that was like the bare minimum. I was like, "This is how much it's gonna do it." Um, and based on things I've done with them before, they were too, they're happy. It was within their budget. Free camera. Yeah, as long as it's within their budget, then... They're going to go for it. They're going to go for it. Be prepared for a no, too. They might have said no. But then I'd be like, that's okay. I can, you know, I can I can make myself busy in other ways on that day that will eventually lead to more money. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Don't be sad when people say no. But that's the thing, though, is... Um, oh, what was I saying? I don't know. I totally lost. It's my getting train really of late. We need yeah. to we need to wrap this freaking bitch up. I really, honestly, as much as I know, most of you are not going to listen all the way through. You fucking better if you want to make it in this industry. I know this sounds really like maybe a little elitist, very self congratulatory. Like I am the key to the mint. I don't know everything. I'm still learning a lot. There's DPs who like Grant who do this way better than I do, who are way more successful than I am. I am like horrible way at my finances, experience. way more experienced. I, I totally acknowledge that. But I've tried this stuff. I know that it works. I'm doing it right now. It's a big part of the reason why I've, I've been working in freelance film full time for the past five years. You know? So I hope that you've listened to this. <laughs> I hope someone's listening right now, honestly. Um, but uh, yeah. Just because it's, it's good info. Oh yeah, and it's all it, it it all is in context to what you're kind which you're shooting. I'm not saying you should go out and buy a Dana Dolly. I'm not saying you should even go buy out and buy a C stand. You might not have those kind of connections right now, but when you meet the people that need it, you'll know. You know what I mean? You just need to sort of test the waters. You need to go out there and shoot with other people. You need to go be a PA or grip on someone else's set for free, even. Um, you know, and just start testing the waters, dipping your toe in your local industry and figuring out who the big players are. That is the main thing. And sort of figuring out the the flow of your local industry, what kind of work you want to do. Shay's got a lot of opinions on this, obviously. I want to talk to him more about it on the podcast. But um, one thing that Shay always says is that it's important to, when you're buying things, it's, it's important if it's something that you're going to use too. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, every, everyone's going to use a C-stand. Um. I don't think that's the only criteria, though. I think you can own things that other people aren't, uh, other people are gonna use that you're not. Like I own that Dana Dolly, and I use it on every, like a lot of big shoots that I do. Not everyone, um, but other people use it more than I do, and I don't regret buying it. It's just a matter mm -hmm. of knowing your local industry. Um, 
and that in a way was a little bit of a fluke, but it was also, it was, it was more like a, a lucky educated guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I knew that it was valued. I could see that it would be useful on a bunch of productions that I was going to use it on coming up. And I had talked to DPs that, that said they definitely would rent it. And I understood the value of it. Like the, I understood the function it had on set and what it alleviated and how it was a cheaper version of something really good that essentially brought the same product that people actually wanted. It's all about like, it's all about who you know. It's, <laughs> it's really like you need to think about it in terms of what kind of work you do and what kind of work that the people you know do. So that's, that's, that's the main thing. Um, but also, yeah, same thing with a 6400 bought that, um, that's more of like a personal purchase, not something I'm probably making money off of. I probably never will make money off of that. Um, unless you do two camera shoots, you can do, do like a charge a little bit more if they're doing two camera shoots, it's up to you how you want to charge it. But yeah, that's basically, those are the main bullet points of great gear purchases that I've, I've done over the years. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's up, that's up until this point. I mean, there, I'm sure there's plenty of stuff that I'm missing, um, I've obviously done a lot more work than that. Like that's not my right. portfolio or anything. Um, but it should give you a good idea of sort of like the steps that I took and the decisions I made at what times and sort of what I did wrong in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like I did a lot of things wrong. And hindsight is twenty twenty, So it's like. It is 2020 right now. <laughs> I know, that's uh, not what I mean. Bad, bad, <laughs> bad bit. Uh, is there a laughing thing? I don't know really laughing. I just do. <laughs> but like. You can see every step of the way every year there's like new things that you learned and Right, exactly. So it's like the gears take, are turning. Yeah, it's like take take what you've just said, like all this info, just take that and build off of it. Use that as your ceiling. Right. I feel like this if I had listened to this podcast earlier, I would it would open the door for me in terms of like thinking about gear as more of an more of an investment in, uh, I don't know. It just more. It's 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 less an investment in the kind of work that you can do uh, personally and the kind of like product that you can produce, and more an investment in how you fit into your local ecosystem and how you can actually provide value, and make money off of your local ecosystem. How you can tap in to people around you to make money in a way that's, um just really good you, you know you got to find a lot of creative ways to make money in this industry um and that's that's one of them gear is like a huge way to make money and it's all there's also plenty of ways as i've kind of gone over to get gear for free um and it's mostly just thinking about it more strategically and not just shoot by shoot by shoot by it's like yeah but you can start at at, at a bare minimum and and work your way up pretty fast if you know how to do it strategically if i if i knew what i know now i could probably do it a lot faster um, but I mean, that goes for anything. Ben, I, I got a short list here of, of the best gear purchases that I've ever made, at least what I could think of when I was doing it. Um, first one is obviously, as I kind of went over it a bunch of times, is this tripod. Still shooting on it today. It was it was super sturdy, you know. It was from a reputable company. and I got one that was like, it was a bit over my budget. I spent like all the money I had on it at the time. Um, but it's lasted me years. It's still going and it's probably going to go until like forever. I, I bought another tripod for my FS5 cause I knew that this would, the, that tripod, the bigger one, I didn't even need necessarily need it. Cause the FS5 is not a heavy camera. I bought this new tripod because I knew it would fit into other people's workflow. So this tripod right here, the little baby one, 
it's still being used and not because, it, but it's not my main tripod, but not because it's not useful. Still very useful. Um, and it's always good to have two tripods if you're doing corporate stuff too, but. Not the one with the hook. Not the one with the hook, of course. <laughs> and I was, as I covered, obviously the Dana Dolly, the Dana Dolly was like huge. I've used it on plenty of my own personal productions. I've rented it a million times. Um, and it, it just, it's such a good way to upgrade my production quality. But like, I'm not saying, like again, again, I'm not saying go buy a Dana Dolly. You could buy a Dana Dolly if you find that that's what people want in your local industry. Chances are, unless you're working on bigger productions, no, you're never going to be able to rent a Dana Dolly. You need to know those kinds of people and you need to be in those kinds of circles. But I don't know. If those kinds of people are in a Facebook group that you're on, you could always post it in the Facebook group. Um, but you don't want to give any, if you don't have it and you give someone else that idea, they're going to buy it first. Yeah, and exactly. if they have more connections than you, then nobody's going to rent from you. So be smart about it. You got to be really smart about it. Um, but, uh, you know, this is, again, good example of tapping into your local industry. Um, the Canon Rebel T3i, I didn't really touch on this too much, but this thing, even by today's standards, is a, a fantastic camera. And I would recommend that, like, if you, I, I wouldn't recommend you buy this camera as your first camera, in my opinion. There are but better cameras nowadays. There, there are, but if you, ha I'm sure you could find one of these for nothing. Let's, let's oh, look yeah. it up right now. KGG.ca. Doopy-doo. Like, you could you could use this to jump your start to shoot your like to make a career right now. You just need like some basic lighting. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't need 4K. Don't don't just go out and get something because it's uh, 4K. T3i, Canon EOS Rebel T3i with eight. Wow, it's still selling for six hundred dollars. That's expensive for a T3i. This one's selling three hundred dollars with three lenses. Man, you could shoot so much shit mm -hmm. on this fucking camera. Oh, two lenses. It's got two zooms. You could do corporate work on that. You could make money. You could make a living off of this and a $200 Amazon light set. You don't oh, even, you wouldn't even you need go. audio. I know audio is super, super important, but there's plenty of things that require no audio. And if you do need audio for the, the specific shoot, you can spend like another hundred bucks on a cheap shotgun bike. You, you can get a cheap shotgun bike for 30 bucks now that's just as effective as the one that I bought back in the day that I spent like $300 on. Yeah, cheap shotgun bike for literally like 30 bucks. It's more about the vicinity on the audio than it is necessarily about the mic quality in most cases. You just need to get close to your subject. You can get cheap shotgun mic, like a uh, a cheaper version of the Rode Micro ME or whatever. Like, or just like, do that, do the Amazon labs yeah, and, and then hook it right up to the camera. Right, exactly. You get an Amazon lab, hook it up right up to the camera. I had like this, I got this janky splitter so I could split. So I could have two mics going into one stereo input. So you got the shotgun mic going into the left channel and then you got the lav going into the right channel. So you have redundancy without spending any extra money. Like it was like two, like basically nothing for the cable to do that. You know, like you could be making, you could have a career with basically nothing. It's all about strategizing um, not only your gear. Honestly, a big part of it is strategizing your gear because, you know, you, you can use, you could take this gig. You can take this gig. Let's say you've already done one gig and you paid off your T3i kit and your lights and everything. You've made like a thousand dollars in the film industry, and you have like an okay kit. Now you're you're you you're even. Anything you do now for, is from now on is a profit. Um, you can you could definitely make a career off that, one hundred percent. Um, so T three I was a fantastic camera, even by today's standards with color and everything. Fortunately, yours is gone now. Yes. 
Um, FS5 2. Yeah, I sold it. I feel bad about that. I should have kept it, but I needed money at the time. I wasn't too good at leveraging myself back then. Um, FS5 has gotten me lots of gigs. Again, fits into a lot of people's workflow. Um, and it's great on my own personal projects because I can shoot, I can output raw, record on the Shogun, whatever. You guys don't care. Um, Shogun Inferno, kind of already covered this. Fantastic. Like, here it is. See, this guy's using it. This is my Shogun Inferno that I rented to the production. And I was the second AC, so I'm slating and stuff, and he's focus pulling. He's using my shit. And I bought, I had a Mafer clamp that I bought with it. I made sure you could, like, mount it and stuff, spend a little extra money on it. Renting it to the production. I don't think I made a shit ton of money on the rentals for that one because they were like my buddies. Yeah, it was a fairly small. Yeah, but but still thing. making money that I wouldn't have made otherwise. Yeah. Um, and ultimately paying that off, and still using it today as a useful piece of kit. And then, uh, you know, another thing, probably the best thing that I've ever invested in was just like all my lighting. Every light that I've ever bought has, except, except for the little tiny lights that go on your camera. Those are the ones that I see people buy the most. Because they're cheap and they're accessible, but they are useless. Like the flash? No, or... they're like, uh, it'd be like this, like an LED light, a constant LED light. Then they're small and they're like, they come with like a little hot shoe mount usually. Aperture makes a bunch that are RGB that are really cool. Those, I would say they're valuable to buy as an extra, but I would not buy one of those. Don't make that your first light purchase. The amount of people I see on Twitter and YouTube who are buying those as like their main lights, it's... It's fucking useless. You'll never make a dollar off that light. And I know it, not everything is about making a dollar, um, but save those purchases for later when you're making the dollars. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if you have the money to invest in that, take that money and put it into a cheap Amazon light kit. You can even get cheaper ones than $200. Get one big softbox. That would get you, you would make so much more money off of a softbox than you would that, that has shitty, that takes forever to set up. And it comes with some shitty, like, $2 stand from Cowboy Studio or newer or whatever. And it has, like, fluorescent lights in it. Just give yourself more setup time. <laughs> exactly. Or, like, pre-set it up and leave it set up in your car. I've done that because I'm like, I don't, you know, it might look stupid, but you can set up fast. You can get the job done. You get the money. Like, get the money. Get that fucking money. money. Um, so, yeah, don't buy the, those, those I would say, I would, those are the lights that I don't use. I, I use those very little. I use, you know, my big lights more because they're just more useful. I use those little ones occasionally. Um, but I guess Shay, Shay, I'm in a unique position where I have a gaffer as like a really good friend. So he brings a lot of those like fun lights. But I mean, again, you can invest in those lights, little aperture lights. Invest in those later. Right now, just go to Amazon and get like, a, we saw one light for 50 bucks. It was a softbox. Fucking buy that. It's the same price. I'm pretty sure those little uh, aperture lights are like 50 bucks. I, I think those are such a stupid waste of money unless unless you're just doing YouTube videos and stuff. That's fine. It's okay in the context of, of like that. But if you want to make money off of your gear, if that's using, not how you do it. No, if you if you're trying to like actually have a career in this, then you're wasting your fucking time. Um so and money. Yeah, exactly. Buy things that you can like light other people with and you'd be happy to like show up on a corporate shoot with. They don't know that it's like that newer is like a shitty brand. You know, they don't know that like Cowboy Studio is a shitty brand. They're just people that want to give you money <laughs> you know what i mean yeah they're not going to know the specifics they're just going to know hey that's a big light <laughs> right exactly they just want to they just want you to do a good job and as long as you can deliver on that product um effectively that's that should be your main goal it shouldn't be to have the name brand thing it shouldn't be to have the aperture thing by the way polar pro fucking sucks um i'm killing my brand or my my relationship with them before i even have a relationship with them. 
<laughs> I'm killing my relationship with them before I even have one or before I even have anything because I just don't believe, I so don't believe in their product. If you're going to buy some filters, don't buy that, just all the name brand shit. I'm not saying Polar Pro is like horrible. There's just better value out there. And same with Aperture. Aperture is a fantastic company. I love their lights, but not. it's not always the way to go. It's not always the thing that you should buy just because all the YouTubers buying it drives me crazy. That was a bit of a rant. Robocups, we already talked about that. That was fucking great. Um, <laughs> quality camera hardware is really important because it's something you'll use forever on your career. If you're ever doing AC work um, like I do or even DPing stuff, you'll use the camera hardware. So like um, like rods and and like 15, like just rods and stuff, things that you'll use. Cass <laughs> just using this place as a jungle gem as usual. So yeah, that's really important. Um, I got this, uh, the Rock and Roller Multicart. This thing was something I invested in later. You don't need it, definitely. But like, just handy. Oh man, when you start collecting gear, yeah, your back really, really suffers when you're doing, and especially if it's low budget stuff that you have to do yourself, or you can't hire enough crew to bring your gear in and stuff. And if you live in an apartment where you don't have an elevator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this definitely, this is huge. So, yeah. Oh, this is just like gear. Oh, like this is just my gear now. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. So this is just the gear that I have now. Finally, it's An like actual this actual computer started from the bottom. Now we hear um, I'm not gonna take credit for all this. Everything here is mine except for this lens. That's Shay's. I just wanted to get a cooler lens. This is actually for a video that I'm yet to release. It's coming out very soon. This is part of an animation that I'm doing. That's part of promo for that video. And this is also Shay's battery. Um, but like the battery mounts and everything, all that shit's mine. I use the battery mounts on other shoots. Um, for other people's gear because I, I rig up cameras essentially when I'm ACing. That's like my job. So I need lots of camera rigging stuff. Um, yeah, you know, that's my follow focus and all that shit. That's like stuff that I rent to productions, make money off of the follow focus. Um, you know, this is just a top down of shit. This is just me humble bragging. Not so humble bragging. Um, nice computer. But the computer helps me make money too. It is a gradual, they're all, uh, that's the thing. It's all gradual upgrades, um, but it's not as gradual as people uh, lead you to believe. You need to, you need, you, and and also to people who just want to be YouTubers or influencers or whatever, if you have a 4K camera and you have any aspiration to be in the video industry, you can still be a YouTuber and like get clients and shit. Like why would you not? Go make some fucking money. I see a lot of people I, like on Twitter complaining about not having enough money to buy gear and shit. I saw it today. I'm not going to mention who it was because I don't want any bad blood. But I see so much stupid shit on Twitter from like these YouTube filmmakers and people who want to be them, but they don't understand. Maybe it's not that they understand, but I don't know. I, I, I don't think they understand that there's so many different ways to make money in film. And it doesn't mean you have to detract from your main goal. Me being a, cam a camera assistant just doesn't detract from my main goal. It helps me learn how a set works and ultimately makes me better at DPing and directing, you know? So, like, if you if your goal is to be an influencer, if you don't want to be on set and stuff, uh, I highly recommend you just do it anyway. Like, just go on set and just try and leverage your gear in some ways because the benefits are so huge and you can get so much gear Without spending any money, you can get great film contacts. You can learn a lot of stuff. All if you just like take some time to leverage your relationships and your gear in a way that uh, helps you, you know. And makes you the money. Yeah, rather than just crossing your fingers and hoping and, and praying that you know, oh, I bought the I bought the T three I, 
uh, hopefully someone hires me because they see my demo reel and it's so good. And why wouldn't someone hire me because I'm so good at what I do? There's like 10,000 other people that are doing things that are just as good as you and they have less or more gear than you. And they're everyone has the same opportunity to make that money, but you need to take that time and that initiative to leverage it, you know? And um, this isn't a definitive guide in any way. There is no one way to succeed in the film industry. There is there is no one way. But I just want to I'm just hoping that this gets people thinking a little bit more strategically about how they're buying gear and understanding that the gear really 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 matters to the rest of your career and how and how your career is shaping right now. And that doesn't mean you have to buy the best gear, but you need to understand how that gear can benefit you and how you can leverage that current gear and your relationships to ultimately get more gear and that other gear will le- lean to more relationships you know it's really it's it is game you got to gamify it in a way of, of of sort of like understanding what you have and what other people want um <clears throat> what do you, you need fill a need <laughs> exactly and this sounds this might sound very obvious to 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 some people but i've talked with so many be- new filmmakers that don't think of it this way and that's fine it took me a really long time to understand that too like obviously it took a while. It took a really long time. Um, but hopefully this can kind of accelerate some people's growth and uh, they can stop asking me why I have so much camera gear. <laughs> 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 it's a dumb question. <laughs> I got it from working. That's how I you do it. But it with the money that I made. Exactly. But again, you don't have to have money to get a bunch of camera gear. That's my point. You don't have to have any money. You can do it with... I mean, you have to invest at some point, but ultimately your biggest investment will be the first investment you make. The first investment in your camera gear is the biggest investment you're going to make. It's the the first camera, the first um, lights, and the first audio. That is the biggest investment. Everything after that can buy itself effectively. Um, and then everything beyond that, that's a bonus that's not part of that core group of gear. Um, can be residual income for you, essentially. Um, so yeah, that's all I got. I hopefully, hopefully that was interesting uh, for some people. Hopefully that was valuable. I think uh, that's that's what I think. Is that valuable for valuable for you, Bree? You've heard all this stuff before. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be a filmmaker now. Oh yeah. Join the film industry. I'm gonna. You can do that a with director. Ma- you can do that with makeup too. <laughs> you can be a director. That's what you're saying. Everyone wants to be a director or DP. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Pick a skill. Pick a skill, y'all. Pick a something that you can do Work. on set that's not. You know, I, I think I, I mean, looking at the way that Shay Shay operates, being a gaffer, aspiring to be a gaffer is great. You work directly with the DP. Um, you uh, you get to interact with the light that he wants so you understand how to shape light like way better than anyone else makes you a really good dp um uh, being in camera department in my opinion is really good but you're almost you're more expendable like yeah it takes a, it's harder to build a relationship with the dp as a as an ac in my opinion because you're not necessarily a creative role you just have to be really good at anticipating their needs and managing logistics in a really good way but it's not creative it, it really helps if you're skilled at focus pulling I wouldn't mm-hmm. say I'm the best, but I say I'm I'm pretty good when it comes to be other people at my level. Um, but uh, just find a skill, find something that you resonate with on set, 
or something that's adjacent to something you want to learn. Um, either way, if you get on set in any aspect, even like I said, even if you don't want to be on set for your career, I don't. I don't want to be a set guy. I don't want to join the union or anything. But it benefits you so much from learning how to leverage your gear, building relationships, um, understanding how productions work so you can do that on your own productions and then translate even gear purchases and stuff onto your own productions based on how they do it and their needs. So many benefits. Anyway, man, this was long as fucking podcast. It was almost three hours long. If you listen to this far, you better have some questions for me. (laughs) 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 But if you got any questions, uh, let me know in the comments below. Follow me on Instagram at film. Miker at film Miker. Um, next episode, I think, is probably going to be with Shay. I've got some fun stuff planned. It's going to be a little bit more gamey and less informative. Speaking <clears throat> of gamey, shit. Oh, yeah. We were going to do the Pictionary <laughs> thing. I think it's too late at this point. Again. Think, yeah. We're going to have to push stuff. We're going to have to, yeah, we'll find a time to do the Pictionary game. We've prepped for it. It's really fun. It's going to be so much fun. I am so excited to do the Pictionary game. So keep, keep tuning in because yeah. one of these days we'll get around to doing it. Yeah. So thank you, everybody. Thanks for sticking around. Um, like I said, next episode is probably going to be with Shay. We're probably going to talk more. Uh, There's going to be a lot more uh, back and forth than there was <laughs> with this one. Yeah, it'll be <laughs> me landing. It'll be funny, though. I think next episode is going to be really funny. And then I'm going to try. We'll see when we get Grant on the podcast. Grant, uh, fantastic local DPs, done a bunch of cool stuff, owns Alexa Mini LF. He's part of the, uh, I think it's like called the Canadian Cinematographers Guild or something. Um, but he's a fantastic guy to learn things from and he's fun. Very smart guy. He's fun. And we're going to be have, we're going to have fun on that podcast too. I'm going to make it a little bit, I'm, I'm gamifying every single podcast from now on. So except for this one, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This one's just very informative. Anyway, whatever. We've been closing off for a while. Okay. So I'm just going to hit the music. Here we go. Bye. Oh shit. I, I don't know what to say. Let's start that over. Okay. Big old truck. Big old dick. Ice cold beer. (laughs) Hot chick. (laughs) Grab my booty. I'll grab yours. I won't tell. So your family doesn't think you're a whore. (laughs) That's too racy. I'm speaking from the perspective of someone who's from the country, okay? I don't think that someone's a whore just because I have sex. I have sex. Does that make me a whore? (laughs) Bree, does that make me a whore? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for sticking around, all you people. This one goes out. I I, I thought this would be so much funnier when when I had it in my head. Hey everybody, the show is over. Just go back to doing whatever you were doing before this podcast. Or keep doing what you're doing without this podcast. Probably doing dishes or maybe taking a shit. Or maybe you're in the car going to take a shit. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of stuff I do when I listen to podcasts. Actually, shitting while you're doing podcast, listening to podcasts is kind of boring. I usually watch YouTube videos. Maybe in the shower. Have a shower. Listen to this podcast. Continue having a shower after you're done. Listen to this podcast. Thanks for listening. Talking about cameras. 
Why have you clicked away from this video? Like, comment, and subscribe. Like, comment, and subscribe. Available on Spotify and Google Play Music. Google Play uh, Google Podcasts, I mean, and YouTube. And the song is over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, this is it. I think that's done. Okay, bye. Bye. You're not a whore if you have sex, just you know. No. <laughs> <laughs> or if you grab booty, or if you have a big old dick, or you have a truck, or a hot chick. Or a nice cold beer. Or an ass cold beer. That's kind of fun. Let's do that. One. <laughs> ass <No>. cold beer. <laughs> big old truck. Big old dick. We're gonna fuck. <laughs> in the back of my truck. We're gonna fuck in the back of my truck. Looking at the stars and stuff. Oh my god. Is that a shooting star? No, it's an aeroplane. Oh, okay. Anyway, what do you do for work? I'm a prostitute. You picked me up at the 7-Eleven. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Time to fuck. Oh, I mean, actually, you're not a prostitute. This is just consensual sex between two people that love each other. And that's what country music is all about. Having sex in a truck. Yep. Is this podcast over? I think it's over. <laughs>